Hi, this is Dave Bork. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> oh, under the radar. I kind of like that. All happy uh, and shit. Who are you? you All go. funny and stuff. Yep. Right ahead. Cracking the hole or something. Yeah, oh, that okay. was Will. Will said, I, ju- I just got it. That Chips Ahoy is a play on Chips Ahoy. Meanwhile, the, the, the Nabisco thing is dressed as a sailor on the old package. <laughs> Stop. Like, don't, do not. Yes, don't it was. tease him. I'm just saying. Dude, you know, like some things are not right worth there. paying attention to. It's, 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 he's Chips Ahoy is one I mean, of them. He, He's also, well, you know, Rockford, so I don't know how. <laughs> they're, they're kind of, they're, they're kind of sheltered. He said, yes, I'm 50. <laughs> I love, I love Will. Yeah, no, it's true. It's just like, I just got that, by the way. Did you know that Popeye was a sailor? <laughs> when did, when did <laughs> this happen? Old, but PTW. Oh, goodness. To be fair, you thought Beachhead was shipwreck. <laughs> to be fair, you Yeah, because the minutiae of G.I. Joe should be known to everyone. <laughs> Oh yeah, but how many how many Transformers can you give me the bios on? Many. Exactly. That's because they're cool. <laughs> G.I. Joe's a bunch of guys slapping asses back in the wreck house. Slap ass. Slap that ass. Mm-hmm. Here comes Scarlet. Pull up your pants. Wow, I think that's a different version of G.I. Joe than I'm used to. <laughs> He gets so salty when I shit on his stuff. But he's just like, oh, what'd you do this weekend? Did you go out hunting for broken Transformers? Mm. Oh, my God, dude. I embrace you. I'm the one that tried to take you to a new you did. a new fucking flea, and then you shit all over it. Like, I did not shit all over it. I just, I was just, I had the eye. I had the tiger, Rock. I'm only kidding. I, I found it fascinating to watch you in your element like a, uh, like a tiger stalking its prey. I would go there every week. The wounded gazelle. For real. I packs the socks. <laughs> Six for how much? <laughs> and trash bags at the next bin? Shit. You oh, got piddle fuck. pads too? I'm in. This guy peaches and apricots in one place. <laughs> peaches and herb. Stop it. We cannot go in like this. Stop it. <laughs> Fucking peaches. <laughs> Oh, shit. It's going to be funny now. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. Oh, hey. Wow. Well, after that, how can we top that? We can't because this is 11. This this is. (laughs) (laughs) First time listeners, we are very sorry. This is not usually how it goes down, but it is this episode because this is 11 o'clock comics episode 513. And I am a pre-lubricated Vince B. Just the way I like you. Yeah. And I, I am a very happy to be here, David A. Price. Woo. And I am glad for any human companionship because I'm Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> well, <laughs> wait a minute. Did I don't get it. Why uh, did you be Robinson Crusoe this week? Stranded on a desert. Oh, doy. See, before we go into this, no, before we go into this, I got to take issue with the whole, just the wording, desert island. It doesn't make sense. 
Shouldn't it be Deserted Island? Deserted Island. But so okay, why? Yeah, I mean, no, but wow, why you right at the patrons? Why don't you? No, I'm just it's, saying that why are we call it a desert. It's not a desert. Deserts are huge and barren, but they're usually not de- surrounded but, by but water. Right, but some, it's not all islands are are lost. Not all islands are lush and and. So they're deserts. I don't get it. I'm not. Well, I'm sand, not. Just nothing's growing there. Yeah, I'm not picking it apart. I'm just saying the whole desert. Oh, when, when the no. word desert, deserted desert, island. Yeah. Yes, deserted. Right. Yeah, desert. All right, scissor. I, yeah, you scissor. are not. Thank you, thank you for telling me about Robinson Crusoe because you're not he who is stranded on an island. You're Jason Wood, and we're all Ooh. here. It's a special themed episode, as chosen by our beautimous patrons. This episode, we will be listing our top ten deserted island books. <laughs> And yes. we did a lot of soul searching this week, and we we some of us couldn't keep it to ten, and that's okay. No, we definitely. Oh no, we all kept it to ten. We kept it to ten. Mm, what did you tell yes. me when the pre-show talk? You said you had like. 20. I said I had. I said I have enough to go two lists, but I have my final ten. But I had. I mean, I was wrestling with the which ones were going to make the final few. Oh. But I, I had. I mean, which which is a better problem to have than if i had seven and i was struggling to find three i'm mm-hmm. i have my ten my ten are here i just have enough as i was going through everything that i would like to take with me mm-hmm. if i could come back and take ten more i'm good but i have well, my ten here's we're, here's we're a request from me at the end of this episode why don't you tell us what the next ten would be like fast like damn i can give you maybe nine of them oh and all of this limiting books to ten does not apply to people who frequent discount comic book service. For real. DCBService.com, where you will choose far more than 10 books a month. Why? Because they are super inexpensive. And you can get a whole lot of books for your money. Such as, from Image, where's the beef? It is the beef, number one of five, from um, creator of The Elephant Men. Uh, Mr. Richard Starkings, right? Tyler Shaneline, also writing artist by Shaky Kane. Shaky Kane. Shaky Kane. And John Rochelle. It is a three ninety nine book going rate. You can has it for a dollar ninety nine cent. Damn. From Black Mask, they ask you to come into me. Uh, Zach Thompson, Lonnie Nadler on the writing chores. The arts by Peter Kowalski, who was on uh, Sex, I believe. And the cover price again, three ninety nine. But your price, two dollars and nineteen cents. Yes, sir. And I think of all of the items I ordered this month, this is the must get because it is a fabulous piece of work at a very attractive price. The writer's Garth Ennis, art by the incomparable Russell Braun. It's Jimmy's Bastards, trade paperback, volume one, cover price $14.99, which isn't bad. But, because you're super smart, you get to bring it home for (laughs) $8.24. That's 45% off. Where are you going to find a trade paperback for $8.24? 
Damn, no, if I know. I don't know either. DCBService.com. They don't mind late orders, order additions, and you get the books delivered to your very home. Ding dong. Hey, what's up? Oh, it's my books. Thank you. I can go <laughs> down into my little man cave and start reading them. I didn't have to leave. DCBService.com. What up? Oh, there's so many of you in here. DCBService.com. Just go there. Be square. Do it. Nice. Oh, my goodness. Were we supposed to open stuff? We could be opening stuff. Because I left it upstairs. So <clears throat> if you hear me pause when y'all are starting, yeah, I mean, we'll say, we'll say I'll we'll go later. get it. Yeah, that, That's fine. Because um, we should probably... This is a themed episode. This is what the patrons pick. Thank you very much. Um, we could probably get right into that. And if there's any, if there's anything extracurricular, if anybody went to the movies over the weekend, and um, we can get to that later, possibly. But um, <laughs> for now, I think we should uh, keep everybody happy and and content. We should and through our top ten, our ten books we would take with us. If we had an idea, we'd be stranded, right? Somewhere. If we if on we a were... deserted island. Yep. Not to be confused with desert. It could be a desert too. It could be a deserted desert. <clears throat> right. It could be scissor. It could be all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. It could be. We limited our choices to ten. Ten of the must-have books. Should we find ourselves with a heck of a lot of time on our hands and nothing but coconuts to eat? Yes, and there were a few rules. That our, mm-hmm. we, our patrons, we asked them for some specific so that we didn't take too many liberties and the rules were basically that nine of the ten had to actually exist essentially meaning that that we couldn't say oh i'll take um you know all of claremont's x-men run because there's no one collection of all of that right um but the tenth they did say we could have a little wiggle room and the 10th, we could have some liberty of like some kind of custom bound edition of something. Presuming, of course, I mean, I I, I took it to mean like I couldn't pick 30,000 pages of comic and say I'm going to bind that, but. Right. I didn't do that. I didn't either. You mean you if, didn't you didn't take the you didn't take the I didn't take any liberties. No, I, oh, I, I everything. Everything on my list is is something I either own. Dude, just like taxes. If there's a liberty, take it. I would, okay. but I was I was content with. Because then, then it's straight up Sophie's choice, and I'm already, I'm, I'm. <laughs> if I, I need to know, I, I don't want any hypotheticals. I don't want any anything beyond the self-imposed rules I put on myself and what the patrons gave us. I, I'm not, I don't want to go beyond that. So I didn't want to because, like I told you guys, you know, there is no one volume collecting the sixty issues of Garth's Punisher Max run. The, the first volume is coming out, which is going to collect the first thirty. But I, so I wasn't going to go through. All of that. So, and and also, the the publication has to um, exist now or be presently out of print. It, it, so, so the Runaways that's coming out in like March or April or May of next year that wouldn't work on my list because it's not. So, I may go on a trip before then and I wouldn't have it. So there. Oh, you're tripping. Well, All right. I stunned myself. Not really. M- the majority. All of my stuff, I think, has not been published within the past 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Well, I have, I have one book that was published in 1989, and it hasn't been done since, so. 
Wow. We're, well, we're gonna, it's interesting that we're going to have very different lists. Oh, we totally are. And that's just, and seriously, that is, this is one of the biggest things that, that, that is exciting me tonight is, is that there may, there, there's a slim, very slim chance. One, two of us may have one book on each other's list, but for the most part, I'm pretty sure people are going to hear 27, 28, 29, maybe mm-hmm. all 30 different books. Um, nice. And, and, and none of us went, we all, I, th- I think we all agreed like none of us did a top 10, like an order, right? Like we, no, yeah, no, we this is a t- t- totality that the most complete set of things that would keep us satisfied right. without I'm not, qualitatively over one another. Right. I'm not yep. starting at number 10 and working my way down to number right. one. This is, I mean, we, we've already been, we, we've made enough sacrifices by limiting it to 10. I wasn't going to try to rank these suckers. And, and my list is, it is by no means a best of or something that I think is the creator's magnum opus. These are, these are right. books that I'm picking because I love rereading them. They mean something to me or, mm-hmm. or I can see myself getting lost for hours or days on end reading them again while I'm stuck on an island. Wow. Yep. And I also found it very curious that Jason, you mentioned on, uh, the Slack that, or was it Twitter that there's a, a certain writer that appeared on your list twice. Yes, I too have a writer that appeared on my list twice, but I also have an artist that appeared twice. Ah, uh-huh, interesting. I think I have mo- I have artists repeating on several occasions. And yet, this this writer and this artist, although I do mention them from time to time, they're not at the tip of my tongue like Kirby. I think okay. I mentioned Kirby every episode, at least, or nice, or at least every other episode. This writer and this artist, I, I, I always wash them with praise whenever I do mention them, but it's very infrequent, and I should change mm-hmm. that. Considering if these are the books that I would like to console me yeah, for the, till the end of my life, I should mention these guys more. Yep. Oh, uh, and before we talk about what we're going to read on this deserted island. Before our ship sinks, uh, what are we getting our drank on? That's right. Oh, very nice. Good job. Because that's probably why we ended up crashing. Because it's the it's just like has to drink. it's like you know the it's like the skipper crashed his boat because he was so enchanted by Checking Gilligan out. giving the giving him the chuffer. See, that's not even funny. Popping a soup deck. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Swap, so we, soup deck. Do, do we have a ginger and or Marianne on the island with us or no? No, it's deserted. Just books, well, bro. Okay. Um, can I go first? So hopefully, hopefully, one of your books was like Cherry Pop Tart or something. Something like Corbin. Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> and, and, and since we're keeping track, I believe none of my writers are on here more than once. Okay. I am once again drinking a Merlot by nice. the Sorrenti Family Vineyard of Pennsylvania Red Wine. This oh, was this was right. This was bottled. It doesn't have a year on it, but that doesn't matter. It's still good. Um, <laughs> it's very tasty. Sorrenti Vet Family Vineyards. So if you're local, look this stuff up. It's very, very tasty. Cool. Or if you're not local, look for it. Or even, yeah. What you drinking, Jason? Oh, shit, son. I'm drinking some. Well, as I mentioned, it's a fresh bottle because I just opened it. The cork is inside the bottle, uh, so I'm drinking cork tonight. But along with it, I'm drinking some Carnivore Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh yes, 
California. Like that. Yeah. 2015. Dry ass quirk. Sweet. <laughs> well, you know the wildfire. So I am. Uh, there is also from California. It is a. Um, it's it's an oldie but goodie. It's something I haven't had in a while. It's it's from California, so just like Jason's wine, but it's a. I'm I'm representing Vince because it's the big ass. Um, Magnum bottle. Oh, they're the best. So, so, so this is for you, boo. This is uh, this is the Redwood Creek Cabernet Sauvignon. Nice. You do like the Redwood Creek. I do. I do. Yeah. The, the, they have the, the the Pinot Noir is pretty good. That goes down. Re- that, that's almost like drinking water. And the uh, not that I have a problem. And the the rich red blend um, isn't too bad. But but the cab the cab's got a, the cab sticks around. So I, I enjoy that a lot. Nice. Now, yes, let's do this. Let's do this. I don't. I, I, I'm guessing we're each going to go one at a time and 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 swing back around. I, yeah, I, we didn't have any plans on who's going when, so um, up up to you guys how we're going to do it. Jason, go first. Okay, happy to do that. Um, I'm going to start us off um, with. I wanted to try and solve for a couple things. I wanted to have an eclectic mix of things. Needless to say, I wanted it to be at least a good chunk of the things I would consider my favorite works. But as I really thought to build this list, one of the things that I kept coming around to is that a lot of the things that I would perhaps consider my favorite comics of all time aren't necessarily things that I would want to continuously reread. Right. Right? Yep. So, um, my first one was um, Marvel Marvel's 75th anniversary omnibus. <laughs> I almost had that on my list. Okay. And the reason for that is, unlike most Omniboo, this is a sampling of some of the more important works from Marvel. And by important, it's really essentially the initial key character introductions of most of their largest characters. Um so if I was if I had the magic ability to just cobble together 30 or 40 different Marvel issues from back in the day, I probably wouldn't have made this particular list. But all in all, considering I had to find all of this in one kind of volume that existed, this this did me right. And so for those wondering, this omnibus uh, collects Fantastic Four, the original series, number one, 48, 49 and 50 and 285 Hulk number one. Avengers numbers one and fifty seven from the original uh, volume, Amazing Spider Man thirty one thirty two thirty three fifty one twenty one one twenty two, uh, Incredible Hulk number one eighty one Natch, Giant Size X Men number one Natch, X Men number one forty one, and then Uncanny X Men one forty two, uh, Daredevil one eighty one, Marvel Graphic Novels one and five. Woot woot. Thor, number 337. This word starts to get a little wonky. Marvel's number one, which admittedly, I don't know why you just want the first issue of Marvel's and not the rest, but it is what it is. Thunderbolts, number one. Love Thunderbolts, but probably a little out of out of sorts versus the other stuff in here. Um, the 99 volume of Amazing Spider-Man, number 36. Yeah. Ultimates, number one. Uh, the Brubaker cap, number 25, uh, when he gets killed. Um, Hawkeye, number 11 from 2012. 
and material from Captain America Comics number one, the, the 1940 joint, Amazing Fantasy number 15, Amazing Spider-Man 248, and 700. So again, not there are a couple wonky things in there, but all in all, I'm getting the seminal introduction stories for most of the characters I care about the most. So you know, all in all, it's a it's a nice it's a nice grounding to the roots of me being a Marvel zombie that I could always reread and wax wax uh, nostalgically for all of these characters. The the and obviously the later issues, the, the later stories reprinted in that book are to round out Marvel 75 years. But of all the issues, I think that struck me the oddest because um, there are a couple of series, obviously, as Jason mentioned, that they they, they double, triple or, or quadruple up on like like the Fantastic Four. And that is one of the ones that was when I saw it was in the book as is. OK, I mean, it, the 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 last issue in there by Byrne is is uh, is a Secret Wars two tie in, which. Oh, right. Yeah. And 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 the story, the story's even though it's a Secret Wars 2 tie in. The story told in that issue is is kind of heavy and and it deals with um, with with hate crimes. And uh, at the time, I mean, this is this is the 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 80s and and it's not like there were a lot of books around there at the time. And and um, and there was also. uh I believe this was the story where I think somebody was was trying to impersonate the Human Torch, but um, yeah, it, it it was a Secret Wars two tie in that, and of all of all the issues to to reprint in in an omnibus, if you wanted to put another issue from Fantastic Four in there, I was just a little surprised that that you'd have mm-hmm. a tie into a miniseries that wasn't so isn't so well thought of as, as years go on. Right. That's a good so book. There you go. I like Who's it. Who's up next? Let's go dap. Oh, let's go dap. Let's go dap. Uh, I will. Um, I wanted, th- there were, there were a couple things I was really angling to get, on my list. Some of them were um, creators that I adore. Some of them were characters that I'd like to reread. And, and hopefully in a couple of cases, I wanted certain creators to have worked on these characters. Um, unfortunately, I fell short in one category because I was looking for um the Superman that I hold near and dear, unfortunately, there really aren't. Um, there is no one John Byrne Superman collection. I was eyeballing the second or third mm-hmm. Man of Steel trade paperback because that's got a couple of issues. It's got two. It's got three or four issues of Superman action and adventures of, and and they were early issues of the reboot, and and that would have worked, um, but then it would have knocked something else off the list. And I didn't really, I, it wasn't strong enough to do that. So I did get some Superman on here in the form of the DC universe by Alan Moore, because this has the two issues that Alan Moore wrote that signed off 
the version of Superman that paved the way mm-hmm. for the one that I love, but it also gives us Superman Annual number 11 for the man who has everything, Vigilante number numbers 17 and 18, Batman Annual number 11, DC Comics Presents number 85, Detective Comics numbers 549 and 550, Green Lantern number 188, The Omega Men 26 and 27, Secret Origins number 10, and uh, Tales of the Green Lantern Corps Annual numbers 2 and 3. And uh, I've read all of those, some of them many, many times, and they are definitely stories that I would not mind reading on and on and on over and over again. Nice. That's a good choice. Thanks, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. I got to drop a, a little bit of history before I get nice. into mine, just to set the stage. Throw it up. Um, in the early days of the 70s, Stan wanted to find a way to circumvent the comics code. Oh, I know we're going on. I know what and, we're doing here. Yeah. And the um, the way to do it was to produce comics in a different format, meaning magazine size. Um, and Martin Goodman didn't want to do it. Martin Goodman was totally against it. He didn't feel like the company should be going into those uncharted waters. But they did it anyway, and they published uh, Savage Tales Number 1, which was a mature reader's book. Uh, not uh, beholden to the comics code because it was magazine-sized and black and white. Um, And it didn't go over very well. And Martin said, see? And one of the things that I learned while doing this uh, list was that Savage Tales number one and and the Savage Tales run in, in its entirety has never been reprinted under... One cover called Savage Tales. All of the mm. stories in the first, well, most of the stories in the first Savage Tales either found their way into other books, albeit altered, like the Kazar story that appears in Savage Tales number one eventually made it into Astonishing Tales, but they had to put a little bit of drapery over a naked female butt that John Basima drew, which was gorgeous, but it, it, totally appropriate for the magazine. Actually, my man. Yeah, not so much for a four-color all-ages comic. Um, like the Man-Thing story has been reprinted. Of course, the Frost Giant's daughter has been reprinted in, in you know numerous times, but the Savage Tales number one has never been reprinted as Savage hmm. Tales number one. Uh, they're a brief aside. So when Martin Goodman left Marvel... Stan went hog wild and he initiated the Marvel black and white line. And we got vampire tales and Dracula lives and monsters unleashed and all these books that were not beholden to the comics code. That event opened the door for Stan to try something even more outlandish. And he brought in Dennis kitchen from kitchen sink press And together, they masterminded a little book called Comics Book. Didn't Mm -hmm. run long, only ran for five issues. But the first issue of Comics Book, I've said it many times, is one of the five books that have impacted my life, not only as a comic book collector, but also as an artist, immeasurably. Mm -hmm. 
when when I I pulled it off the rack and it was uh, Peter Poplaski's cover that really roped me in. You guys, Jason, you have the book yeah. I'm about to talk. Yes, about, I do. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean the 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 cover of that book is not the exact cover of comics book number one. It's significantly altered. Um, the composition on the original is better. They took out the thud sound effect that's coming from the knife being plunged into the piece of art. Um, I believe it's one of Poplasky's preliminary drawings for the cover. I don't know, but um, it, it pales in significant in comparison to the original. The original is violent. It's sexy. It's new. It's strange. It's subterranean. Like it says on the cover, it's a, it's a cover that totally tweaked my, I think I was 13, 12, 13 year old brain. I had to have it. There's, there's a, a half naked woman on the cover with her arm strategically placed over her breasts and the hero's fist strategically placed over her other bits. Um, but admittedly, when I read it back in the day, I didn't understand it all because it's scatological. It pokes fun at government and politics and, um, uh, social interaction and male female uh female female male male relationships howard cruz is in it with barefoots one of the most prominent gay creators of all time um art spiegelman's in it who i think produ- the first issue is uh ace dick midget detective i think it's art spiegelman's finest hour even Mouse, as good as that is, and as wonderful and as important that book is, I think Ace Dick, Midget Detective, is, is his finest hour of all time. Um, but who appeared in comics book number one? Um, Art Spiegelman, Kim Deitch, S. Clay Wilson, Justin Green, T- Trina Robbins. Uh, the, these creators are ones I followed the entirety of my life, my existence, just because of this one freaking book published by Marvel Comics of all people. So I wanted to make sure that I covered comics book in my list of Desert Island books because I, I, I have never been able to escape this series. It's always with me. Um, so it's never been collected in its entirety. So I went with the what was it published like three years ago jason mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the best of comics book when marvel went underground it's a beautiful hardcover like i said it doesn't reprint every issue in its entirety but it takes the cream you get an idea of uh, a really good idea of what comics book was all about there was profanity in it there was nudity um like i said as a uh, an adolescent it just spun my head around and made me realize that you know, there's more to this medium than the stuff I'm getting from Marvel and DC. Yep. And from comics book, I went down other avenues and I said, well, let's check out the head shop downtown. Somebody told me they have comics. And from there, I was introduced to Robert Crumb and and uh, Gilbert Shelton and all the greats. And they were in this store that, by all accounts, should not be selling comic books. But they did. And I, I, I thank them for it. But it, it all comes from comics book, number one. Love it. Yeah. Why don't we uh, go Serpentine? Hit us up with your next one. Uh, My next one is a no-brainer. 
What do you think my next one is? Fourth World Omnibus. No, you're close. Oh. What's my favorite issue of all time? Oh, well, the, the, the Jack Kirby. The Commandy, uh, Commandy Omnibus. Commandy number nine. So it's the first volume of Jack Kirby's Commandy Omnibus. The one that nice. I have. Yeah. I, 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 how could I not have that on my list? As I was teasing that before, I said, I, you, you have to know that there's yeah. a certain book on my list. And, and, yeah. mm-hmm. and oddly enough, it's the only Kirby on my list. Wow. wow. I figure if I'm going to get Kirby, I'm going to get his masterpiece. Even though I love Fantastic Four and every other Kirby thing uh, right up to the top stuff, I don't think he ever got better than Commandy. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I'll have to hop over to your neighboring island if I want to read some Kirby then. You don't have any? I don't have any Kirby. <laughs> wow. But Thank you. I do not have any Kirby. Um, I also don't want to step on your toes if if you're. Still oh, that's it. About I can't. Can I, I really regale Jack to, Kirby any more than I already have? <laughs> so, um, fair point. So then, in that case, I will. Um, I'm going to go with an omnibus myself. Since that's the direction that's the direction we're going in. This is. Punisher by Garth and his omnibus. This collects um, when Marvel Knights started, when, when uh, Joe Casada and Jimmy Palmiotti were given reins to have a few characters to do something with. One of them was the Punisher. Uh, unfortunately, the first story that brought Punisher back, as Frank Castle was dead, was uh, as uh, an avenging angel. And um, that was quickly done away with, and Garth brought him back uh, to prominence with Steve Dillon. He did a 12-issue series, uh, Punisher from 2001 through 12, and uh, it did so well that they then went with an ongoing in 2001, um, which was started off by Steve, and then there had a few other artists uh, in there, such as Derek Robertson and uh, John McRae. But this omnibus collects those first 12 it collects Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe. It collects the Marvel Knights Double Shot, number one, and most of the two thousand uh, the series that started in 2001, the Punisher series. Uh, I say most of because Garth did not write um, issues 8, 9, 10, 11, or 12. One of those stories had to deal with a... Uh, I think the guy's name was Medallion, or he, he, it had to do with taxi cabs and, and the medallions on them. And, and it was just, it was, it was kind of a silly story. But Garth did write issues one through seven and then 13 all the way into the end of this series with issue number 37. And then we got, um, Punisher Max. And, uh, this though, this is, this is a sweet spot because it's, because it's not Max. It's for the most part still Frank Castle in the six one six, so he's not he's not so extreme. It doesn't feel as as heavy or uh, in air quotes real life, but you do get some zaniness like Punisher taking Wolverine out by running over him with a steamroller, and and now we have to wait for him to heal because his legs are crushed and it, it's and it's drama drama okay so it's pretty damn funny but that is a uh the punisher is is 
is a character that uh, I have a special place on the shelf for, and this is uh, I have I have these all single issues next to me. However, uh, that's not what the theme of this episode is about. So um, this isn't necessarily an omnibus I own, but that's only because I haven't double dipped on it yet. But this is definitely a book I would want with me. Where I stranded. I love it. Um, okay, I am going to go uh, with, since we just did three Omniboo in a row, I'm going to go with something different. Um, admittedly, this is, let's see, one, two. This is only one of two DC books on my list. Uh, and that is uh, Absolute DC The New Frontier. Um, I wanted to have some DC. I had a bunch that made the short list, so to speak, but I kept coming back to this, uh, in particular, the absolute, I think that it's one of the best self-contained DC classics that should, that gives me a taste of most of the key members of the universe. It's by Darwin. Um, we probably don't need to gush about the book much we've talked about it a million times on the show uh, i think the absolute version is fantastic uh, it's beautifully it's oversized it's it's just a sight to behold um and uh so yeah i, I this is definitely a story i have reread several several times so i know that i would be fine rereading it um and uh the rereadability factor was key and then the reason the absolute is key is because not only is it oversized but you've got annotations you've got promotional art you've got um you know all kinds of uh of uh, ephemera to go with it which should, which would extend the uh the rereadability so my second choice is absolute dc the new frontier it is a very good one i don't think there's any bad choices in these uh, agree yes so i guess serpentine i'm up again then yes yep okay um i wanted to have something a bit on the lighter side. And this was one of the first that made my list. And although my list underwent a lot of changes until it was finalized, this never left it. Uh, and it's a testament to this man uh, and this particular work. And that is the complete bone. And I love the fact that you can, and uh, I do own one book that has 1300 pages of the entirety of Jeff Smith's now classic story about the bones and the world that they live in. And I know we're all fans of this book. It is uh, probably on the very short list of, of true all ages classics and that uh, kids can love it and do love it. And, and it's, it's got enough gravitas for adult fans of fantasy to enjoy. Um, I've read the entire series twice in my life, uh, once on my own and then once to my kids so um, this would not only not only does it serve a purpose because it's 1300 pages in one book. So it's a, a great uh, um, optimization of, of the, the, the 10 only. But um, frankly, if I was on a desert deserted island by myself, this would be something that would also remind me of my kids. So it'd be like a little, it'd be like a, a little extra power up on top of, of, of the, the surface level of being entertained by the work. Oh, so the complete. The Complete Bone by Jeff Smith. Well, I did say 
there is a chance that two of us may have a book each the same book on our list uh i did not say there's a chance that we would have two books oh um so i will make this short and sweet so vince can get to it uh i have uh the dc new frontier absolute edition oh um it is the absolute because before it's really the only edition I, I, I believe exists before the absolute came out. There was no deluxe hardcover that came out a couple of years ago. There was only the six issues or the two trades collecting. Right. Three there is a deluxe each. now, but there yeah. is a deluxe now. Yeah. There wasn't when the absolute came out. Right. Um, and because it does have everything minus that holiday special, but it has everything in it that I would need. Uh, also, there are some books that I thought about putting on my list that I don't, that, that if I'm going to be stranded on an island, I don't want to read nothing but dreary crap or reminding me of, of what a, what a shit situation I may be in mm-hmm. even, but whereas Darwin draws in a way that is, is so beautiful and hopeful, uh, while yes, the losers are stranded, uh, it's still not a, um, not a story that would remind me of the the uh, the, the situation I'm in. But that is one of two books that we both have on our list. That's my reason why it's on mine. And now we'll get to hear from Vince. Nice. I cheated for my next one. What? Yep. I combined two volumes. <laughs> can't do that. No, yeah, I can. But, I can. No. Because well, no, you, listen, you, you can if you use your your one out, which you said you didn't use. Okay, well, maybe this will be my one out. But traditionally, both of these volumes were read in tandem. They're also not comics per se; they're comics history books, right? And they so were, we're using the double cheek here. They were written by one of the medium's finest illustrators mr jim steranko and they are the steranko history of comics volume one and two i like it so i'm using those as one slot yeah they were never published together they're always volume one volume two you could still get them they're 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 offered in previews all the time and they're Mm -hmm. disturbingly cheap um they're oversized both feature wraparound covers illustrated by the master and they're amazing pieces of art. If you haven't seen them, go look for them. Because, I mean, Steranko just tackles everybody. Um, the Red Skull is probably my favorite. Uh, they were produced um, early 70s. And Steranko lays it out. And he says, okay, these superheroes that y'all love so much really came from all these great pulp characters. And he goes into the shadow, Doc Savage, the black bat, uh, agent 13, like all of them. And then he shows how they begat Superman and Batman. And he's right. And it, the book had a tremendous impact on me because not only, well, the text's a little dry, but there's a lot of it, but the book is just 
dripping with awesome Steranko imagery and reproductions, hundreds of little tiny reproductions of pulp covers and comic covers. And it's just, they're amazing. You got to get these things if you don't have them. They're required reading. But if I, again, these are two books that really never leave arm's reach. I have them next to the reading chair all the time. And even if I don't jump into the text, I just leaf through them just to see all the great illustrations and the covers. They're amazing books. If you haven't submitted your DCBS order, I think there's one offered this month. It's a, They're worthy purchases. you got to read them. So, yeah. My number, what is it, three? Yes, my number three is the Steranko History of Comics, Volume 1 and 2, in a magic doesn't exist edition that combines both of them. <laughs> all right, that's your out. We're allowed one. I don't have any more outs. Cool. Well, I will then... Oh, you have two. You have two to go. I do have two. Yes, sir. This is another no-brainer for me. I have uh, regaled Mr. Mike Plug many, many, many times. Um, and looking at my list... Mike Plug has had a tremendous impact on me because he appears one twice on my list. Wow. Again, I'm not generally noted as a Marvel fan, but there's more Marvel on my list than anything. And uh this <laughs> this series was published by Marvel, but uh the best of it was collected by Boom in a hardcover called The Planet of the Apes Archives, Volume 1, which collects the entirety of Doug Munch and Mike Plug's Terror on the Planet of the Apes, uh, which was later fleshed out by Tom Sutton and Herb Trimpey. But you get all of it in this first volume. I don't know why they did that, because now there's really no need to buy any of the subsequent volumes. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they skim the cream for volume one and then okay you know if you're still around you can pick up volumes two and three but there's really no need because the terror on the planet of the apes is amazing it's wacky there's a ton of social commentary and it was created in the 70s so it's very political um they take the mutants in new directions there's new characters jason and company there's magic introduced into it it's 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 amazing but it wouldn't be so much if it weren't visualized by mike plug who i think just did Mm -hmm. superb work on it um again it's one of those early seminal works that sunk its teeth into me and it's just been biting me forever since and it's a nice hardcover, too, by Boom. They did a, a very good job on it. Cool. So yeah. That's my number four. All right. All right. Um, uh, not Serpentine, dog. Serpentine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're up. You're up. Sorry. <laughs> I can't keep track of my own Serpentine. Uh, well, now I can either just – I mean, you're in a rush to go, so I can either just – No, I'm not. No, I'm good. I'm chilling. Well, no – this is up to you guys. I can either say what I had on my list, which was already mentioned by one of y'all, or I can pick one of my alternates. 
So no, be true to your list. Oh yeah, you got to be true to your list for sure. That's fine. Okay, all right. Then I too, I'm gonna get it out of the way now instead of since so there's no suspense. Uh, The Bone One Volume Edition. Oh snap! Collecting Bone One through fifty five and the Bone Holiday Special. Yes, Uh, I. It is. I didn't read it all in one sitting, but I I, it, I read it in as few sittings as possible. It is a, it's not a, um, physically it's not as as the dimensions aren't that of of an omnibus or even a standard comic book. Uh, it's a little smaller, but it's still the Smith does amazing work. That that's just. Um, it's it's almost like it's highlighted on a smaller page. It's it's a beautiful looking book. It's a great story. It's it's everything you need in this one talking volume. Uh, it's it's you know when it came out and for a bunch of years after that, it it's it makes it on all those you know best comic stories of all time list and and rightfully so. But if 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 you are new ish to the medium and and may still have those burning questions of, you know, well, I, I want to try something new. What, what have I read? And I've only been reading comics since, you know, like 2012, then, uh, definitely get on the bone train. If you haven't, it, it's, uh, and, and I know that there's a color version of it. And, and I mean, and, and it's, this of course is, is it because we're, we're stranded on an Island, but I mean, read it however you can. It's, it's a fantastic story regardless of the format, but, uh, it is, it, it's definitely, this was one actually that there, and, and that's why I threw it out to you guys, because this, this was one of the two that, um, were edging out for, for the final two spots. And, and it, mm-hmm. I won't say what it knocked out, but it, and, and, and rightfully so it, it, it should be on a list like this but uh it was it was close for a while and and i um i figured of all the absolutes that uh there's an aside that that jason would have picked watchmen which would have made it free and clear for me to go with new frontier uh-huh. i respect your new frontier absolutely I, I i respect that that one but uh i i that surprised me huh Told you it can be a few surprises. Because you, you are such a DC head. You know, I should have seen it coming. Well, listen, like I said, I mean, it's I, there's two DC books out of, out of ten, so. I know. You know? Now oh, we're, we are allowed to have the same books. That's okay. Oh, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, I respect him. Oh, which, nice. is, which, which is, you know, I think I like that we we, we kept this classified and, and didn't cross the streams because it may have, I don't I'm not going to speak for y'all, but it, knowing what you guys had may have uh, colored my list somewhat. And and so thinking about what the listeners would hear, instead of us repeating things, and now this is happening naturally, but instead of us going into things that, that were already mentioned, I probably would have picked something else to mm-hmm. put on the list, which, like Vince just said, you got to be true to your list, and I wouldn't be if that were the case. True. And um, I'm going to be true to the sense of suspense for this episode by not including any images. I love you. In love it. the uh, gallery for this ep- – well, there won't be a gallery for this episode. But if there were, it would be filled with white images because I don't want to give it away. And the Anyways. show notes as well 
are, oh, is yes. not going to contain anything other than our in your travels. They can hit uh, us up. We'll, we'll put it on. Actually, we'll put it on on Patreon. We'll put our list so the patrons can see it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, after not, we'll we'll do it in a couple of weeks after the episodes aired. It, it's and and been sure. out for a while. But I, I I love you not only for um no spoilers for people who haven't listened to it, but uh, because I did not pull any images. Well, Samesies. We could do so down the line if if someone says, "Hey, that sounds good." Do you? My Google, mm-hmm. the G and the O O and the G L E on my keyboard are broken, so I can't search for it. <laughs> Can you show us a little bit of it? And then be like, okay. So where are we at? All right. This is number my, five. No, this is number four and five for me. Right. Serpentine. Yes. yes. Serpentine. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm gonna this is my this is my uh my cheat where I got to make up my own collected edition. Um, and uh, I used it to optimum capacity because I had uh, went to our old friends at Library Binding, and I got the entirety of 100 bullets collected. <laughs> so uh, I, you you cannot read 100 bullets, uh, just a portion of it. It would make no it would be no point in having it, and. It's definitely the the long form comic book run that I would be most eager to reread multiple times. So uh, I got to give it to Azarello and Risso. And uh, my number four is the custom made 100 Bullets Library Bound Edition. It's a hell of a big book. It is. It is. It's a good like 2400 pages. That's nice. It's real nice. Now, getting back to the playing fair rules, and and thank thank the listeners for giving us thank the patrons for giving us one one out on that. Um, he's the best. He is at what he does, and there's no way I couldn't have a big honk and chunk of of Wolverine comics to read. Um, now there are a lot of ways to skin that cat. Uh, there are a bunch of different Wolverine themed collected editions. I I ended up choosing the Wolverine Omnibus Volume One, which collects Marvel Comics Presents number one through ten, number seventy two through eighty four, Incredible Hulk's one eighty through one eighty two. So yes, some of you are pointing out I have two copies of one eighty one. Sue me. Um, number three forty, Marvel, Marvel Treasury Edition number twenty six. The best of Marvel Comics hardcover, uh, Wolverine, the 1982 series, numbers one through four, the complete run, um, number one through ten of the 88 ongoing, uh, the complete one through six of Kitty Pride and Wolverine, Spider-Man versus Wolverine, number one, Marvel Age Annual, number four, and Punisher War Journal, number six and seven. So, gotta have my snickety-snicked if I'm gonna be stuck on an island forever. I do love the Marvel Comics Presents patch run. Was I that know. was that patch yes. in Marvel Comics Presents? Yep. Yes, that, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, I like, I like yep. that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Back to DAP. All right. Um, I know I said I'm not ranking these, but there is one I'm definitely saving for last. So for now, um, I'm going to throw another on the boot out. <laughs> This is uh, when I mentioned that there are some creators that I 
need to have on my list. Um, this, there were two that I was kind of angling for. One of them made it uh, because of the limitations on uh, the availability of, of the limitations on the collections that are that are presently out. And I, I did not give myself an out. Otherwise, it probably would have been um, one through 50 plus annuals of the New Teen Titans. So instead, mm-hmm. I went with the first volume of the Fantastic Four by John Byrne Omnibus. And this collects Marvel Team-Up numbers 61 and 62, Marvel 2 and 1 number 50, Fantastic Four numbers 215 through 218, 220 through and 221, and 232 through 262. Fantastic Four Annual number 17, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man number 42, Avengers number 233, Thing number 2, and Alpha Flight number 4. And there are um, there are titles that I bought from the newsstand whenever they came out, and Fantastic Four is definitely one of those. It's not a, um, you know, I, I, I couldn't get burned Superman, uh, but Fantastic Four, it's, it's, it's a run when, when, when Byrne was on it, that was, um, it, it just, it brings back certain memories. When I think about his time on the title, I, I was, I wanted Fantastic Four somewhere on there and I was looking for the, the, the Wade Ringo run. But again, that, that's all chopped up beyond, I mean, even they have collections there where, where stories aren't even complete and you have to finish it in the next volume. And I just, I, that irks me to no end. So I had to step away from that. Went with this because it does have that, that sweet spot of, um, of before, before he, he, he ended his run on the title and, and went to DC. Uh, there are just some, some really nice, uh, so some good family style stories in there. The the science isn't um, too wacky like you would get with with Morrison or or, or Miller later on. It it's not. Uh, it's it's just. It's still. It's good fun comics and I because it's the Fantastic Four and because Byrne was on it for so long and and you have uh, the Fantastic Four in. Manhattan, you are going to see other Marvel characters, and and uh, there are some characters that that Byrne just has a real sweet knack for when it comes to drawing them, and uh, I I just really like Byrne at this time because it's not the um, it's not the next man Byrne, it's not it's not the Byrne we get later on, and and in the in the nineties and and presently, it's it's that he was. He was raw, he's inking himself and and in most cases, but the stories were uh the stories were a lot of fun and it was it was nice seeing Marvel's first family uh behaving this way and 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 they were just they were really for me fun stories so if i could uh if I was stuck somewhere, I wouldn't mind recalling these issues and uh thinking fondly on those days. Nice. That's a good choice. Thank you. I don't have any Fantastic Four on mine. 
Wow. That's nuts, right? It is nuts. Uh, for my number five, I was uh, contemplating a Warren title. It seems fitting that there should be a Warren book on my list. And what better book to feature but Eerie? So I went to the Dark Horse archives and I looked for which volume I consider indispensable. And it just so happens it's volume 16. Eerie Archives, Volume 16, because it collects most of the Bruce Jones and Richard Corbin time travel trilogy. Uh, Issue 77 is represented with Within You, Without You. And Time and Time Again from 79 is included, but it doesn't contain Issue 87's cap to the trilogy, which was Years and Minds Forever. But I don't care because it was within you, without you, that really killed me as a kid. To see Corbin drawing um, nearly naked versions of his muse, Karen Wilkinson, and um, it was, she's the Corbin woman. It's that... Uh, archetypical female form that Corbin exploited throughout his entire career, gigantic boobs, you know, blonde hair, um, cleanly shaven, let's just say, and uh, dinosaurs, Richard Corbin drawing dinosaurs. And it's a wacky ass time travel story that um, takes a lot of twists, but it's, it's eerie. So there's other good stuff in there. Um, Esteban Maroto and Leo Durnoa. Um, Who are those? Pardon me. Where'd Jason go. Jason. Jason bounced. Oh, we'll get him. So I, I, I had to include this volume of the Erie Archives, uh, which, by the way, is number sixteen. I'm going to try and get Jason back. All right. Wow. For my number six choice, I just picked up the book. That's why I said wow because it is a massive tome that's what she said it is it was published in 2000 it's a cross-cultural intercontinental grouping of international comic artists um i believe it's 2000 pages or more let's see well it's more than 2000 pages uh, hardcover published by L'Association. It was, I, I originally bought it when it came out and I loved it. But then I went through a stage where I said, screw it, I don't need that. And I eBayed it and regretted it ever since I, mm. I, I did. So it was gifted to me by Mr. Travis Fowler, who managed to find me a copy, which is not an easy thing to do. I mean, this book is fairly rare. It is called Comics with an X 2000. And and who appears within its pages? Well, Hideshi Hino's in here, Matt Brinkman, Paquito Bolino. There's just a, an amazing amount. Matt's is in here. There's an amazing amount um, of creators. Dylan Horrocks. Uh, let's see. I don't want to go through the whole list because it's a very, very long list. Moulinex is in here. 
uh, Jason, not you, the no, the Fanographics <laughs> creator, Jason, um, mm-hmm. Louis Trondheim, oh my God, uh, Stefan Van Dinther. It's just it's a it's an amazing assemblage of creators, all in black and white. But the important thing about this collection is it's all in pantomime. Mm. That's why it's it's cross-cultural uh because there's no language involved it is it is purely an examination of the art form of comics mm-hmm. with no words to get in the way the pictures have to tell the story right, right. Yep. and it's just it's amazing um to do it justice i i don't have the the time or the the resources to do it it's just it's a phenomenal assemblage that it really blows you away when you look at it because the art styles switch wildly. Um, you, you, you'll get um, Kazushi Hawana, whose artwork is like super detailed, uh, very realistic with cross hatching. And then you get somebody who's using woodcuts on the next page or a, uh, a watercolor artist. Some, panel, some pages have no panels at all. Uh, by GG, and they're just single line, very clear, uh, clear line figures. It's an amazing book. If you haven't seen it, chances are you probably never will because it's so hard to find. But um, if you do stumble upon a, a copy, it's got a red cover. You can't miss it with um, hardcover with uh, L'Association 2000, Comics 2000 on the spine. Grab it. Uh, if only to send it to me, because I would love another copy. Mm-hmm. This is not going to last me another forty years. I, and it's again, I, I, it's one of those things you don't have to invest a lot of time knowing the characters or the history of the universes depicted within. They're just very personal, some mostly outlandish stories. But the, the, the overarching theme is they're all wordless. So interpretation will vary depending on the nature of the reader. Mm-hmm. I love it. This is, I mean, it was created for me, right? It was. It was written just for you. It's like Matt, a custom. Yeah, Matt Brinkman's in here. It's, a, it's just an amazing book. And now I have it again. So I have to, again, thank Travis for, for being so generous and, and picking up a copy when he heard that. My story. There you go. Aww. I'm putting it down. <clears throat> Whoop. Yeah. Whoop. It is heavy. Whoop. It can definitely stop a door. Uh, this one is a... Who is doing this to me? Hmm? Go ahead. I'm getting messages on my... Someone's texting you? My mother box. Mm. <laughs> um... This is a little off the wall. I had two books in in a similar vein uh, that were collections of. I mean, it's weird to say that because most of these things are collections, but collections of of older work that um, you're kind of. It's great that they exist, but you really don't know where you'd have when or where you'd be able to read them unless you were kind of stranded on a deserted island. And uh, the one that won between the two 
for me is the nearly complete essential Hembeck Archives omnibus. Wow. And that is because this thing <laughs> will take you for I've I've owned for I don't know how many years. Mm-hmm. I'm, Since I'm it came out a quarter through it. We bought it. Yeah. Um it's it was uh it was published by Image in God. Yeah. Um long ass time ago. Uh do, 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 um two thousand eight. Oh, eight. Wow. I would never guess that. Yeah, this is copyright 2008 Fred Hembeck. Portions of this book, and this is where it gets crazy, were originally published in Hembeck. Hembeck 1980. Abbott and Costello meet the bride of Hembeck. Bah Hembeck. The Hembeck file. Jimmy Olsen's pal, Fred Hembeck. Dial H for Hembeck by Fantico. Uh, This, I mean, there's... uh, Hembeck, the best of Dateline, 1979, 1980. Uh, the Amazing Heroes swimsuit specials, uh, numbers one through five, are all uh, presented here or represented here. Uh, it, it's just, I mean, it's, it is just. It you is know what I find even equally amazing? The what? thickness of that book, and yep. it has none of the Marvel Age stuff in it. No, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is. I mean, it's. It, there is. There are Marvel characters. There are. Um, there. Or even uh, even his strips from uh, the old, um, the back of the old DC books where you right. had uh, yeah. Zach says the Answer Man, and but there, I mean, the, the the swimsuit spots are good. I mean, there are some. They're just random sketches of Spider Man and and. Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, and Swamp Thing from 1979. Uh, it's it's um, the the ones the pages from the um, has a great Invisible Woman image from the swimsuit issues of uh, Amazing Heroes. Um, but I mean, some of the strips are just are are, are crazy, and it's Hembeck, and and I mean, maybe some of them are autobiographical, but it it is just such a a. I'm not going to say weird collection, but I mean, you can, you will get, I mean, there's a page with just brother voodoo talking and, and I mean, the word balloons are so packed. It's insane. There, there's, there's no way, uh, this could probably be the only thing you take with you to a deserted Island or <laughs> stuck with on desert and you'd, and you'd be fine you with it. Because there's just, there. it's, it's nuts, man. And it's, now, Hembeck is, Fred is, and and lucky to talk to him for a little bit at, at, at the Albany Con a couple of years ago. And I mean, he's just, he is, he is such a, a, a nice and down to earth dude. And, uh, but he's, he's been drawing, he's been part of comics for as long as I've been reading them in, in some way, shape or form, whether it's in things like Amazing Heroes or the Marvel Age stuff or the, the Fantastic Four roast and and uh the the issue from assistant editors month where he drew spider-man taking on the fly and and it was just and it was it was it was in canon it was it was a a real story that was being told it's not like it was some imaginary fred hembeck tale but it, it was just uh the east it, it's 
it'd be real hard to imagine comics without him. He's the closest thing I think that Marvel or DC have to like a Mad Magazine style artist, and and th- that would work on their stuff. And it's just it's it's not like you see too many things. And you're like, oh crap, it's Fred Hembeck. Sorry, I got to get it. But it just it's it's one of those things where I'm I'm glad I have it in my collection. I can just maybe flip through a few pages and and kill a lot of time just with those few pages. But just read something I've never read before, and because uh, he's been at this for a long time, and there are still a lot of things that he's done that I wasn't aware of or and and just haven't read. So this is uh, this is this was pretty much a no brainer. The thing that was close to it uh is is still thick and chock full of stories but it it doesn't compare or compete to 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 the bank for your buck you get with this thing love it i'm i much like you guys i have it and i've i've owned it since it came out and i haven't read it all right yep. i don't know anybody who has i don't know right? it's, it's crazy yep all right well since i have back to back i'm going to go ahead and give um the two that are com- they're 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 connected to one another, and since I used my cheat on um, the hundred bullets, I I I filled two slots with the same series from the same author. As you noted in our intro, I I made mention on the twitters of the fact that Mister Rick Remender was the only writer to how hold down two spots in my top 10 books for this list. And that got a lot of people guessing, but no one got it right because it was a bit of a trick question. So for the, I believe this is what my sixth and seventh spots. Yeah. For my sixth and seventh spots on the list, I am choosing the two volumes of the fear agent omnibus. (laughs) Because again, it never, there has been no complete fear agent collection. There have been two beautiful oversized hardcover omnibus, but but never never one. So I couldn't imagine only having half of the series. Uh, and so it just felt right to bring both along. So I will have uh, all 32 issues of the series, include, and then, of course, all of the bonus content from the Tales of the Fear Agent side stories and uh, other supporting ephemera that were in the omnibus, um, written by Remender, drawn uh primarily by Tony Moore and Jerome Opeña and Mike Huddleston um, with some, uh, with some, some um, contributions from some other noteworthy artists in the, on the tales of the fear agent bonus stuff, which were um, kind of more like side pocket stories. Um, but uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite series of all time. It's uh, it, it'll fill that, that pulpy space genre itch that none of my other stuff does. And um it's it's another thing which I would happily reread multiple times over a fifty year time being stuck on an island. Wow! So, mm-hmm. a long time on an island. Hey man, can't count on being rescued. Prepare for the worst, and then, okay. and then whatever happens is the best. That's a good. One. I you know you said remember I I should have figured. Fear Agent would be on. I didn't know that there wasn't a a, a one complete collection, but uh, I was thinking it would have been um, X Force as one. Yeah, my um, 
my I had sixteen that made the final font the semifinal yep. cut. Yeah. And number eleven, the one that was pretty much with the blowing of the wind could have gotten on here was the Remender Uncanny X Force Omnibus. Um, but I couldn't see I just couldn't bring myself to knock Fear Agent Volume Two off and only have half the story. Exactly. So. That, that's yeah, yeah, that that's yep. I, I, I was in the same boat with with a couple things too. Yeah. And then the other item would have been um Deadly Class. The uh Yeah, same thing there. They haven't yet put out a the, just they have the first twenty five issues, right? Yeah, they have a couple hard covers, but not yeah. but and the series is still going on, so I just couldn't bring myself to do that either. I like D. I, I right there with you. I am going to throw out uh that this kills two birds with one stone, the um obligatory Spider-Man collection and at the same time takes care and scratches that Gil Kane itch. This is amazing Spider-Man epic collection. The goblins last stand collecting amazing Spider-Man numbers one Oh five through one twenty three, And, uh, those last couple issues are of course, uh, important. Um, but I, I like this collection because it is, um, Peter before he was engaged to Mary Jane. It's it's Peter and Gwen. It's it's Spider Man and friends, penciled by Gil Kane. Uh, some Stanley stories, some Jerry Conway stories, but it it's um it may not be everything in this collection between these covers may not represent a a high point. It's Spider-Man uh, compared to what other people might consider a high point. But uh, as far as what I'd love to look at, were I only able to have so few things to look at for the rest of my days while waiting to be rescued, uh, I have absolutely no problem looking at some, and again and again, some Gil Kane Spider-Man pages. Can't blame uh, you. I figured that had this, something like that had to be on your list. Nobody yeah. can blame you for that one. Well, thank you. Thank you guys. Well, like Jason, my next one is a one-two punch. I'm going to cover seven and eight in one shot because, like Jason, again, they're both written by the same writer. Unlike Mr. Wood, they're not the same series. In at number seven, written by Steve Gerber and mostly illustrated by Gene Colan. It's the Howard the Duck omnibus. How could I not take this, take this to the deserted island with me? One of my all-time favorite series. Um, again, like comics book, I didn't understand a whole lot of it when I first read it because it was very political and very socially aware. And as a kid, I was neither. I just wanted to see the duck get it on with that beautiful redhead. And um, uh, Dr. Bong is one of my favorite villains of all time because of this series. And it's so off the cuff and so irreverent and so id-inspired and it's crazy and Winky Man and the Gingerbread Man and Kiss made an appearance. And, you know, when 12-year-old me sees Kiss in a comic book and this comic becomes my favorite comic of all time, right? Not so much yes. my favorite of all mm-hmm. time, but it just spun my head around. Um, 
vote for Howard. So I did. Howard the Duck Omnibus in at number seven. Number eight was also written by Steve Gerber. Mostly illustrated by, well, the lion's share of it. Illustrated by Mike Plug. It is the Man-Thing Omnibus. Mm-hmm. My all-time favorite Marvel character, bar none. Sorry, Spidey. I love you, but you're not the Man-Thing. <laughs> you're just not, dude. You don't look as cool. You don't burn at the touch. It's just the Man-Thing is the nexus of all realities. He is my favorite Marvel character. And uh, visually, he has inspired me to not only pick up a pencil and draw, but uh, he's a super cool looking monster. And I, I love the fact that he doesn't actually participate all that much in his stories. It's the stuff that's going on around him where that's where the stories uh, originate. And it's just a neat take on it. And uh, And again, it's Gerber exploring those dark recesses and it's, Again, one of my favorite books of all time. I had to have it on this list. And I'm thankful that these things exist in one giant tome. Um, I'm glad to. Even the Bruner stuff is amazing. Frank Bruner on the covers and interior of issue number one with Pro Rata. It's just, they're, they're, it's a seminal book. You, you need to read it. And Howard. Oh. And Howard. Yes, and Howard. I like it. Yep. Uh, we have three left. Mm-hmm. Then I am going to give you my last omnibus of the night. And it's weird to call these omnibuses because they're not... This publisher doesn't necessarily do an omnibus the way uh, DC and definitely not the way Marvel presents theirs. But this is from Dark Horse. It is I, the ooh, Grendel. No, no. Oh, damn. I was wrong. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say The Mask. No. I thought about it because there's two volumes of The Mask. Oh, is there? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's the good stuff and then there's the second one. Uh, the... Grendel Omnibus Volume 1, Hunter Bros. Ah. This collects Mage, numbers 6 through 14. Uh, the Devil's Vagary One-Shot. A Decade of Dark Horse, number 1. Dark Horse Extra, number 49 and number 50. Grendel, Black, White, and Red, numbers 1 through 4. Uh, Dark Horse Maverick from 2001. Grendel, Red, White, and Black, numbers 1 through 4. Grendel, Behold the Devil, numbers zero through eight and the comic book legal defense fund presents liberty annual annual number 2011 um yeah it's it's there are i believe four volumes of the grendel omnibuses and Mm -hmm. now there are the grendel tales on the buses but this is the one i you know, it, it's the entire series, the, the the saga of Grendel and 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 the Devil and everything that it, it represents and uh, the the insanity it leaks is uh, it it it's all really great stuff. But uh, for me, when you get 
the creator of the character not only writing but for the bulk of this volume uh not in the anthology but for the bulk of it is written and drawn by mr matt wagner um we didn't hunter rose really only existed in those few pages in the back issues of uh a few pages of the first series of mage i he was in the first season three issues of of the kamiko primer but that's not you could maybe make a case that kind of isn't really the same sort of character but devil by the deed is pretty much what drew me to to hunter rose uh but then you get him fleshed out somewhat in the anthologies and then later in behold the devil and before that in the two issues where he uh had the Batman crossover. So of all the Grendels, he was pretty much the one that was the biggest mystery for me. And uh, something about your first. And, and because he was, I, I'm more, he's the one that, that sings to me more than all the others. And, and all the others are great, but they're not Hunter. And, and it's uh, to, to have a collection where all of his appearances, minus the Batman, uh, are between two covers. It, it's really not. Uh, it's it's hard for me to resist. As, as much as I would like to have the mask, with, and that would be a fun book to also have with you, I think. But no, it's um, as as far as when it comes to rereading things, and while this may not be a book full of uh, of excitement and hope. It's still a uh, a bunch of stories that I would easily get lost in reading and reading again and again. Wow. It, it's amazing that we can both agree that Grendel is one of the best series of all time, but we disagree. <laughs> on the greatest Grendel. On, on the greatest Grendel, yeah. Yep, I know. That's why I love <laughs> you. That's the beauty of comics, man. It is. Or really any, any art form. Um, okay, I am going to I'm going to go... Is it my turn or Vince's? It's your turn. It's yours. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the most surprising thing on my list I'm betting for you two. Uh, the one none of you would probably ever guess in, the, in a million years. And that is The Stand Omnibus. Wow. <laughs> Never in a million years would I pick that. So... Um, when I was thinking through this exercise, I, for some reason, also convinced myself that I couldn't have any other type of entertainment. So, like, we wouldn't also have, be able to have ten of our favorite novels or anything like that. And there are certain books that I have read multiple times in my life. Um, and my mind began to think if I could figure out, did any of those fit into the comic form? Uh, certainly Moby Dick has been turned into um, graphic novel form in multiple ways, but frankly, like the Sienkiewicz uh, adaptation is too, too short. Uh, the Chabute graphic novel that we talked about when it came out a year or two ago is badass, but it too is not all that large. Uh, beautiful, but, but, but not all that large. Um, so I just, it didn't seem like Moby Dick was a fit. Uh, there's never been any kind of comic of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, just, a lot of the other of my favorite novels just really haven't been comic book adaptations of any kind. Um, but the stand, the book by Stephen King, I have read four times in my life. 
Uh, I love that story to the point where I even have watched the Molly Ringwald, Rob Lowe, um, Lieutenant Dan, uh, Gary Sinise miniseries from TV multiple times, even though it's admittedly not a very well done um, adaptation. I just love that that stuff. And so when Marvel put out, you know, for a while there, Marvel was putting out Stephen King adaptations, uh, on, on, you know, on the regular. Um, and there's also like the Dark Tower omnibus. So he, you know, a bunch of his stuff. But but uh, for, for me, when they came out with The Stand, which um, was almost entirely, if not entirely drawn by Mike Perkins, that was pretty much what he worked on for five or six years. Um, I was skeptical, but then when I read the first the first, they released it in, in a bunch of five issue miniseries. Uh, I thought they did a fantastic job. At, at the first, the Captain Trips was the first, and I thought they did great, and so I kept with it. And then, actually, believe it or not, uh, the, the Omnibus came out, and that was uh, sent to me as a gift by uh, Christina Merkler. Um, remember oh, a few nice. years ago, she she they they had that uh, they had one of their Nick and Dent sales, and they sent us uh, stuff yes. a couple years back. Yeah, so yeah. that was what she had sent me, and it's a fantastic package. It's in a slipcase. Um, it's got all kinds of supporting materials, scripts and stuff. But it contains the stand Captain Trips 1 through 5, the stand American Nightmares 1 through 5, uh, the stand Soul Survivors 1 through 5, the stand Hard Cases 1 through 5, the stand No Man's Land 1 through 5, and the stand The Night Has Come 1 through 5. It's over a 1,000 pages and does a very faithful job adapting one of my favorite novels, uh, I, I needed something dystopian in the collection because it is probably my favorite genre. And, uh, yeah, so this kind of killed multiple birds with one book. So, uh, shocking, I'm sure, because not something that most would consider a classic, but this definitely is, um, tailor made for what I would need to, to keep my mental health up, uh, if I were by myself for a long time. I like it. I left, Great. I left speechless. Um, and no. then my ninth, my ninth pick is probably one of the ones where our listeners might have guessed from Jump if they were making a short list. That is the new X Men Omnibu. Uh, it's uh, uh, I, I own three copies of it, so I could I could use I could spare one for my uh, my my ship locker. Uh, it collects new X Men one fourteen through one fifty four in the two thousand one annual. This is, of course, the uh, the collection of Grant Morrison's X Men run, which, as you all know, when it was first coming out, I, I I didn't care for it because it was so different. But I went back to it after it was finished and reread it, and I've read it two or three times since. Uh, it's it's probably this might be sacrilegious. It's probably the best X Men run ever in terms of like minus the nostalgia. So, as much as I love Claremont's X-Men run, it's still Claremont. It's still got tons of exposition. It's just wordy as fuck. And I don't think it ages well when you're trying to reread it now. I don't think it holds... Because minus the emotional excitement of those characters and that setting at the time and not knowing what was going to happen, I think it's a bit of a slog. And it, I, that's why I didn't, I didn't include any of that in my list. But but this this is imminently rereadable. It's modern... It's it's layered. Uh, there's all kinds of things going on. There's a, there's a long game within the entirety of the run. There's all kinds of very compelling arcs. There's just wacky classic Morrison stuff. He introduces us to a ton of new characters like Zorn and the the, the Stepford Cuckoos and Beak. 
you know, sentient bacteria. It's it just it's it's just a blast. Um, it, in fact, I love it so much that I even can get past Igor Corday. And this is when Corday was dope. Um, but no, I, I think it's um, it's 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 probably one of the better Marvel runs of the last twenty years, in my opinion. So happy to throw that into the to the steamer trunk. <laughs> uh, it looks like the uh, the mask on the bus is out of print. Oh no! Yeah, a lot of value in those dark horse omnibuses. Yeah, no, yep. it's great. You can get most of the series for like less than a buck a pop. So yeah, exactly. But, uh, okay, for my ninth, uh, I don't think this is a cheat because oh boy, Mm-mm. because it is. A graphic novel ish. <laughs> this is, um, you know, I figure if I'm going to be stranded somewhere, uh, I if I need something to occupy my time aside from reading, and I might want to exercise my brain and and um, try to really dive into the, this art form. I love and adore so much. I'm going to uh, take with me. I'm going to make sure I have with me a uh, a book that I don't read. I don't pull off the shelf as often as I probably should. Uh, but I absolutely loved it when I read it years ago. When what, I don't even know what year this first printing came out. But um, this would be definitely in my locker. Uh, Understanding Comics, The Invisible Art by Scott McCloud. Mm. This uh, this is probably the smallest book or the shortest book I would have with me uh, as far as page count. But it is just, you know, th- there are certain um, there are certain books I think most artists, most creators should have uh, in arm's reach if you are drawing comic books and there's there's the uh eisen book there there are there are plenty of guide books or art books but for um for something that's been i mean you when you've there's a science behind putting words and pictures together and and telling a story and and making sure that you know the images you put the 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 pictures you draw in a panel uh, represent what you want. You need to fool the reader. And, you know, is someone about to swing a baseball bat? Is someone jumping in the air? Does it look like they're just floating? Is there, you know, and there's a whole thing about perspective. And there's, I, this isn't going to teach you how to draw. It's just going to show you how you can apply your drawings in a way that can be. It it explains how artists make what they do look like they do so effortlessly, and uh, it it just there are people who just like reading comic books. They like looking at the pictures, and they like reading the stories, and these are their characters that they enjoy, and that's all they care about. They don't need to know 
have a sausage is made. They don't they don't they don't care about what happened before they picked up that book. Some people like to get into it and and dissect it and figure out how how it works and and I like tinkering with things. This book is really the closest thing I have and I've seen that lets you without really breaking it apart physically get into how the comic book page works. You can know how to shit gets published and, and, and how comic books are made, but to understand how they work, I think this book is necessary. And and I would when it, when I'm done reading the stories and when I'm done finding out, you know, about Spider Man fighting Green Goblin or who the hell Hunter Rose just killed, if I want to just understand comics, no pun intended, then then I would happily reach for this book as, as maybe a, a palate cleanser at the end of my day as I'm still trying to crack open coconuts and spearfish. I'm not very good at spearfishing. I'm not either. I'd, no. I'd be stupid thin. Yeah. <laughs> I like what you brought. Um, yeah? Yes. Well, oddly enough, Jason brought what he considers a very faithful adaptation of a uh, artistic work, I brought what I consider the absolute worst adaptation of a work in another medium, but only in terms of faithfulness to that work, because uh, the two gentlemen that made this book had absolutely no concerns for accurately adapting the work in question. And uh, I'll save you the suspense. It was published by Heavy Metal and Arrow Books. It is 1941, The Illustrated <laughs> Story, by uh, Steve Bissett and Rick Veach, adapted by Alan Asherman. If I'm going to be stuck on an island, I want something that's visually dense, something where every time I return to a, a double-page spread, it reveals more truths to me mm -hmm. over the years. This is that book. I, I continue to pick it up and notice things that I have missed on the umpteenth readings before. It's, uh, it's not a very thick volume. You know, it's, it's in the standard heavy metal graphic album format that they, they used to do. Uh, I don't know if it's 60-whatever pages. It's, it's not that thick. But it is exhausting to read. There's a ton of panels per page. There's stuff going on everywhere. Um, like the early days of, of Mad Magazine, there are little asides and visual uh, one-offs going on everywhere. There's cut and paste going on. Like there's a, um, a, a ton of different artistic styles within the graphic novel. Paint, ink, and... And, and pencil, uh, collage, it's just a monster of a book that was really shocked the shit out of Steven Spielberg because he didn't know what he was going to get. And uh, he obviously signed off on it reluctantly. But if you enjoy the movie 1941, which I do very much, the graphic novel has some of the things that make the movie great, but most of it is just beset and uh, Veach going crazy on the page. And it's just an amazing, 
it's a visual feast and I, and I love it. I, I've, I've loved it ever since I bought it way back when, and I go back to it every, uh, every so often just to rekindle that, uh, that excitement. It's just excitement on the page. It's electric and you, you should read it or experience it because a lot of the joy of this book is not in the reading. It's the, the sequentials. It's, a, it's just phenomenal. Um, so that's my number nine. I guess I'm rounding this out with my yeah, number man. Nine. Okay. My tenth choice is pr- next to the Commandy Omnibus. It's the mm-hmm. most indispensable book on the list. Okay. It would be number two next to the Commandy Omnibus. That's the mm-hmm. one I would definitely. Um, it's a collection of... Uh, sequences that were originally done for a punk magazine called Slash. Rendered by the medium's most unique voice. Yes, even more unique than Kirby. Um, It's Gary Panther's Jimbo, Adventures in Paradise, that was published by uh, Raw and Pantheon Books in, I believe, 1988. Um, it's a tour de force, uh, dropped down by a visual stylist who can only speak in a manner that's true to himself. Nobody approaches comics like Gary Panther. Nobody draws like Gary Panther, but in his wake, he has inspired legions of, uh, imitators, uh, some good, most bad. Um, but there's nobody with, um, before or since that has a voice, a visual voice as unique as Gary Panner. And um, along with Kirby, he's responsible for uh, influencing me the most. And so I would want to be uh, reminded of this on a constant basis. And, And like 1941, you crack open Jimbo and there's always something new to be seen. I knew you had to have some Panther up in there. Of course. Of course. So that's it. That's my 10. That's your 10, baby. I like it. Uh, my 10 is probably... Yeah, I think this is the oldest book because the Understanding Comics came out in 93. Um, so this is a little a book that came out in 1989. Uh, bought it as soon as I saw it. Um, I believe... It was a mail order. Um, I'm not sure. I, I did. I, I definitely sent the way for it. I remember the shrink wrap it came in. Uh, it's it's been with me ever since. It's it's usually. I mean, it's it's on the desk. In my, it's on my desk when we record every night. Uh, I'm staring at it right now. It's one of the fancier books I own when it comes to comic books. It is leather bound. Dang. The pages are gilded in silver. It has Sheesh. a ribbon bookmark. It is because at the time this was true. I know what it but is. But it is, it is. Yes, you do. It is the complete Frank Miller Batman. Uh-huh. And it, it collects Batman's numbers 404 through 407. DC special series number 21. Actually, a story from DC special series number 21. The story is titled Wanted, Santa Claus, Dead or Alive. Yeah, it's a good one. It is, and it 
completes the collection with Batman the Dark Knight numbers one through four. It is it, it it's a reprint of the beginning of Frank Miller telling Batman's story and at the time the last Batman story and um then at the time the only other Batman story that that, that Frank Miller wrote or, or drew and that would be the one from the DC special series from the seventies. Um it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful reprinting. It's a beautiful collection. It's not. It, it doesn't have the the computerized remastered coloring. They. It, it's on beautiful paper. Um, I I haven't decided if when I go if if I'm going to give this to somebody or if if I'll just have it cremated with me. I, I don't know huh. what it is about this book that uh, it's it's just there. I'm. I. This is one of those things where I am absolutely glad something like this exists because as far as i know i don't think there is any other way to get frank's best two batman stories together on one cover uh so were it it not to exist this may have been my my wishful collection but it it's it's here i have it uh i love it i don't um I have other versions to read of these stories, so I don't pull it off the shelf too often, but, uh, it's, it's, it's a great collection, but it's, I, I don't, it's silly for me to say that because everybody's read these stories already, or everybody's read at least eight of the issues within this book. And I don't know how many people have read the Santa Claus story, but, um, no, it's, it's, it's a beautiful collection. I know it's, I've seen it around it's you can probably still order it i don't know if you can get it from a little barnes and noble special island section that they have in the front of the store with their discounts but I, i've seen it out and about in the wild um and yeah, you it's, can get it from amazon here for 41 bucks used yeah. and new 79 bucks yeah it's i think i i don't do you remember how much it was in it's it's maybe like 30 bucks, 40 bucks. Yeah. But I remember that book being remaindered at some point. Like you could get it at, um, well, what used to be Walden books. For right. Like, right. I think it was like 1299. Yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 yeah, the mm-hmm. discounted section, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is absolutely one of my, it's, I don't, I don't want to say cherished, but I guess, I guess it kind of would be. It's, um, I, that sure I, sounds like it. Yeah, I, I, it's it's weird. It, I guess I would treat it the way I would treat the uh, the Kane and and the Mazzucchelli artist editions. There are just certain books that um, I can't see myself ever ever parting with. This would definitely be one of them. That's my ten. That's right on, right 10. on. It is crazy. Well, thank you guys. Right. <laughs> well, I couldn't have a list for a deserted island without something from comics greatest writer so i go i went ahead and i decided to bring a version of the comics greatest writer's greatest book talking of course about watchmen but i'm very happy to say that i'm glad we didn't get trapped on a deserted island this time last year because then i probably would have chosen the absolute which in and of itself is a great package. However, just released is the Watchmen, the annotated edition. Yeah. 
And this is really something special. It is uh, it is Watchmen, but with every page uh, annotated um, panel by panel with all kinds of notes, references, um, linkages, commentary. So it's it's essentially an academic tome uh, that looks at the Watchmen in all the various and sundry ways that Watchmen from a technical perspective is, is great storytelling. And so I love the idea of having a copy of Watchmen to read uh, over and over again if I wanted, but then also having all of that deep source material and analysis to go with it because I'm sure that would give me hours upon hours of, of reading and contemplating. So uh, my final pick is Watchmen, the annotated edition, uh, of course, by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. You, you just saved me from redoing the featured image for this episode because you made uh, Watchmen. I did use Watchmen in it. And, you, and yeah, it, you can't, you can tell, but it's faint. You have to really look at the image. So thank you for doing that. Sure. Should we maybe just real quick run down our lists again? Just the names? Yeah, why not? Um, Okay. Um, So my list in no order here, just on the order of my sheet. Watchmen, the annotated edition. Absolute DC, the new frontier. Wolverine, Omnibus, volume one. Fear Agent, Omnibus, volume one. Fear Agent, volume... Fear Agent, Omnibus, volume two. Marvel, 75th anniversary, Omnibus. The 100 Bullets Library Binding, uh, the new X-Men Omnibus, the Complete Bone, and the Stand Omnibus. Nice. The Complete Frank Miller Batman, Punisher by Garth Ennis Omnibus, DC Universe by Alan Moore, Fantastic Four by John Byrne, Omnibus Volume 1, DC The New Frontier Absolute, Grendel Omnibus, Volume 1, Hunter Rose, Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection, The Goblin's Last Stand, The Nearly Complete Essential Hembeck Archives Omnibus, Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud, and Bone One Volume Edition. Sweet. My list is as follows. Uh, The Best of Comics Book, When Marvel Went Underground from Dark Horse, The Commandy Omnibus, Volume 1, the Steranko History of Comics, Volumes 1 and 2, and a make-believe volume that combines them both. Um, Boom's Planet of the Apes, Archives, Volume 1. The Eerie Archives, Volume 16. Comics 2000 by L'Association. Uh, Howard the Duck Omnibus, The Man-Thing Omnibus. 1941, The Illustrated Story. And Jimbo, Adventures in Paradise by uh, Raw and Pantheon books. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. We did good. I, I love how diverse our lists were. Yes. Crazy, right? That's great. Now let's uh, take a little peek at Dap's extra nine. <laughs> you, you don't have to go, well, I know, go deep I know, on I know. Jason has a couple extra, too, that he was cutting off. Yeah, so. that's, that's true, too. That's... Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Relax, Dude, my, my dude, relax. What well, do you got, Dad? The other contender were, uh, were this. A lot of what I was thinking about, I had to look around the room first to see what I had before I went beyond that to see what else I'd want 
of things that I've read before. Um, so if the Hembeck book wasn't within reach, uh, then it would have been the uh, Too Much Coffee Man Omnibus Plus because mm. that just is – that's insane and, and, and out there and is another book where you could spend a lot of time just looking at. Uh, but the possibility of it maybe being – too much of the same thing after a while uh and it's heavy as hell man i mean i was just i mean not not that these any of these are really small books but i mean of all the card covers that that i've lugged around i i brought this one to the desk with me and put it next to the hembeck one and i mean it's it's heavy but it's still good so um like i said that or the hembeck would have uh would have come with me. I also had uh, the Daredevil Born Again hardcover, but since uh, I already had Miller and Mazzucchelli on the year one, as much as and and I think at this point I could probably recreate the Born Again in my head, panel for panel. So I don't know if I really need to keep rereading it if I already know it as well as I do. Um, the uh the 75 years of marvel comics xl from tashin oh yeah uh and the uh the second volume of the green lantern omnibus collecting green lantern numbers 22 through 45 so this way i could still get my gil kane fix but i was flipping through it as i was preparing for tonight and as wacky as those Silver Age stories are, I, I don't think I'd need any help going crazy, staying by myself on a desert island. Those stories would definitely not help. Um, so well, I approached it from the understanding that we'd all be on the island, so we could swap these. I thought about that, too. Oh, no, I didn't think I, of it that way. See? Well, Vince and I would be together, then that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm by myself. Yeah, it's all okay. by yourself. So, yeah, so those are a few of the others that I had. Uh, you know, this, if was, I, this was a lot of fun. If I had to add one, because there's one book that had a huge impo- impact on me that I didn't represent on the list, I wouldn't go the artist edition route because they obviously printed yeah. it in black and white. I want yeah. it. I would want it in the the format in which it was originally published. I wish it was 11 because I would definitely put the DC limited collector's edition. I believe it was number C22, the uh, Kubert Tarzan of the Apes, the, mm-hmm. the oh, wow. DC Treasury oh. Edition style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did have, um, because obviously these are stories that I enjoy rereading and, and had fun rereading and revisiting for this list. But one thing I had on my list early that um, was one of the first to every time I added something, it kept getting pushed further and further. So it wasn't it wasn't on the 10 for for long was uh, actually the Planet Hulk omnibus. Mm. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice. But looking back, there's not a lot of collected editions of the stuff I love. Like there's not a plop. Exactly. You know, like why not plop? Um, oh, but, yeah. I mean, again, I mean, I was I was looking at things for like Mad Magazine. I mean, there were just some things where I was like, I, I did this really did just this was an exercise in me wishing some things were available. 
Um, yeah. Well, like you said, even the uh, you mentioned the Runaways that that just got solicited. So, it, how many yeah. years have people been clamoring for that? Right. You're right. Um, You're right. Uh, yeah, my my runners up, the ones that well, like I said, the, the one that was number eleven, the one I really was trying to figure out if I wanted to swap to put in was the uh, Remender Uncanny X Force Omnibus. Uh, but the others on my short list were uh, Absolute Planetary. Oh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> Absolute All-Star Superman. I, I, yeah, same here. Uh, the 52 Omnibus. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, read it, read thing, it 50, I don't need to reread it. 52 was really my gateway, though, into becoming that's a full-on full right. DC reader, though. Um, Deadpool Beginnings Omnibus. Um. And then the uh, and then the one that I really would would have put on if it, if I didn't feel like it was a cheat was the Avengers Omnibus Volume Three, but it's not it's its release date is April two thousand eighteen. It will probably be in next month's previews. The reason I want that one over the rest is because that's the first that's the Busema Omnibus. There you go. It starts with it starts with issue fifty three. That's that's so. That, I mean, I, I'm I needs to have that. In fact, I need to yeah. buy like eight copies of it when it's solicited. But. Um, <laughs> And then the only other one that I would love to have put on, I didn't know if it would be fair, fair game or not, was the Calvin and Hobbes complete. And, and I didn't put place. it on there for two reasons because right, it's it's th- it's really three yeah. three volumes in in one slipcase. Number one and number two, it's not really comic books; it's comic strip collections. No, it, but I I'd argue because I had I was looking for I have. You know, I have the first couple of Bloom County Library editions, mm-hmm. and I was looking at my paper. I mean, I have the the old trade paperbacks when the when the strips were first released. I I was looking at I have the Far Side complete set, but that's right. too slick. Yeah. So I mean, I was looking I was looking for comic strips right. that were. I mean, I can't do the Starhawks that I never ordered because those are split up. So it's just I I'm, I'm with you on the comic strips. There's no no yeah. no, no harm yeah. now there. I had um, because when I was looking for things that featuring characters that I, I would like to reread. Uh, I had the house of M hardcover on there for a minute because of the, the Peter and Gwen story in, in, in that series. And right. I'm, art is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, you know, that, that, that'd be an interesting, we should put that on one of our, um, book, of the, book of the month again soon, because we all talk about that lovingly. And yet I haven't reread it since it came out. Oh, all right. It'll be on next month then. All right. Right, Vince? I mean, you like that, too. I feel like we all liked that. I did, yeah. Yeah, but I feel like it doesn't... I, I seem like It seems like one of those those, those series that it, most people speak on fondly in, in reminiscence, but I don't feel though it was a beloved when it was coming out. I think I, I think the last few pages, I, I think right, right. what Wanda does kind of... Yeah, kind of. That, that sours it on. Like, it's like I, one as, more day, brand new day, right? One more right. Day. Yeah, I wish just, what Wanda said stuck. That'd be great, but um, unfortunately, it, it did, it, it, it did for a long time, for a lot longer than I thought it would. Yeah, uh, and I had the um, well, I was I for sentimental reasons because Jason got it for me. I had the um, the Zot complete black and white Aww. collection on my list, Aww. but then but then I was like, well, I already got McLeod representing. You're like, nah, but you're like, but he's gonna be on the island with me, and then I'm like, nah, fuck then, that, no, man, I'm on my own fucking island. I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> the uh, I'm on Hawaii. Then these um and and you can tell by this list I guess I have a thing for Daredevil because I did for a split I, just to throw it on here when I was trying to like see what ten I could have uh, there was the um, Daredevil by Melorin Jansen yeah I, that, I gave that a passing thought but I just I don't think it's 
it's just it was it's not it's not top ten worthy. Yeah, it's I good. Wish I had some room for Disney. I'm surprised you didn't have something like ducks yeah, in there. Yeah, I thought you'd have some ducks or Popeye. Yeah, but I mean, I would have guessed ducks more than Popeye just because you talk about the ducks a lot more. But it's only ten though. It's hard. I had to pick the ten. I know, ducks. man. I know. For me, yeah. Yep. This was good. It this was, was a lot good. of fun. I, I have to say the uh, the patrons have set a high bar for themselves for <laughs> these quarterly themes because this was a lot of fun. Uh, and it didn't right? require a voluminous amount of work. I mean, it was just no, basically it was, thinking. It was, it was homework, but it was fun homework. Yeah. Well, I think I, – I think I mean, I don't – I don't it, – it feels like maybe I did – Judging by the slack, it seems as though I did the most work because stunned, stunned. I was, I was trying to, I was like, I was making sure that because these, you, that, that these are additions that actually <laughs> exist. Because I'm like, I want to make sure they're you available. Put the weight of your think, atlas, you put the weight of the world think, on yourself. But I think You're Vince like, was like, why, why are you going to fucking buy these? I'm like, no, bro, I'm not, I'm not going to. I just want to make sure because the I rules. I thought the same are, thing. I'm like, he's not worried about people wanting to buy these, right? No, I'm not looking for no, Amazon. I know, but I thought the same thing Vince thought. Yeah, I know, I know. And it was just no. I had to make sure that they fall within the parameters of of. The rules the patrons set up. So, yeah. no, and that, and that was fair. I did that too. We all did that. I mean, that was that was part of the game. So, yeah, cool. Yeah. So, do we want to um, discuss a bit the uh, the pop culture event? Uh, a little one? movie, a little movie that came, or do we want to? Sure. And then, and, okay, oh, yeah, we don't we, have to. I thought you were the one that wanted to. Oh no, I, we can. Yeah, well, that's great. And then we'll we we'll, sure, like, we'll, we'll no. end on a high note by unwrapping presents. So that's fine. Right. I just don't want to get. Uh, I don't want it to get uh, heated. Yeah. Oh, it's not going to get heated. All right. That's the beauty of this. See, I, I really like that's the thing about this particular debate that I found refreshing. I think that the most fascinating thing about this film, really more than any other where there's a classic love hate debate among geeks, is that because of the nature of Star Wars, it's a universal fandom. And you really. Uh, there's very few people that have engaged in this discussion that you can credibly discount as not being a true fan. Like, there are lots of people that love to watch or read things to hate them. Like, you already know going in that, that they're not really fans of the work or the creator, and they're almost watching it just so they can chime in on the conversation and be a hater. That's not the case here. The people that love it, love it. People that don't like it, don't like it. People that are in the middle are in the middle. But not a person can claim that their fandom is more significant than others. I think it speaks to the fact that everyone gets something different from the Star Wars universe. Like, when we get into this, like a a friend of ours was talking about the fact that for them, the entirety of, of the Star Wars experience has been the films. They don't read the comics. They've never read the novels. They don't watch the cartoons. So they consider themselves massive Star Wars fans, but the films are where, where their fandom lies exclusively. Whereas their coworker is younger, and she's read like all the expanded universe novels. She's got she's absolutely obsessed with Ahsoka Tano from the cartoon, and for her, the cartoons, the Clone Wars, are probably the most significant part of the fandom. Um, so I, I think it's been great to see people discussing the film without that tendency to just disregard the other side as being stupid which is what normally happens like when batman versus superman came out most people didn't like it the people that liked it said oh you're all haters or you know what i mean like when even with um even with justice league i felt there was the same like 
people are like, oh, I liked it, and other people are like, oh, it's just a horrible movie, you know. And then if you said it was a horrible movie, it was you're immediately you're immediately immediately labeled as as a DC hater or, or the you know you just oh you have something against the DC films. So in in this case, that has that's that there is no credible argument to be made on either side of this from the other side that the person's opinions or analysis are wrong. It's just personal personal preference as to the choices made in the film. Now, I think going by Facebook, uh, Jason saw it Friday night, and and when uh, you got out of the theater, um, you had us up on Slack and basically summed it up by saying you hate it. Um, that was my quote. I hated it. Yes. And and I wasn't and and I was just looking for some frame of reference if it was like prequels hate or if it was just I mean was it a badly made movie was it was you know so um, without going too far into it because obviously Vince or I hadn't seen it by that point um, and then the patrons got your thoughts because you lovingly put a video review together which now I I'll, I'll watch but uh, Vince got to see it Sunday night and people who follow you both on Facebook know that Vince pretty much had quite the opposite view you did. Um, and then I finally got to see it and, and I was torn because I wasn't sure if I should tell you guys, you, you, you guys found out before everybody else. I wasn't sure if I should tell you both how I felt or if I would reveal it on the show, you guys told me to tell you then. And uh, for anybody who is interested, uh, I am pretty much on Vince's side. I, I like the movie. And I, I'm still processing it. I, um, I, I definitely, and, and, and in reading, you know, your thoughts with, with, with our bros, with our southern bros and Vander, and 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 seeing what the uh, the Facebook group has has been posting, I I definitely get why people feel the way they do about the movie. And and like you said, I it, it's nice to see people actually uh, discussing things without it getting down in the dirt. And um, but even even with some of the things, I I kind of cringe. At that happened in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, I I still came away with with enjoying the story and 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 looking forward to see where these characters go. And mm-hmm. and I one thing that amused me is is when you said in in, in on Slack that uh, Johnson, the the director, he made choices that that he knew would be divisive and and. What amused me is that here you are, you're going to read or, or listen or, or watch interviews with the guy making the movie, but you're also the same guy who will refuse to watch or, or care about documentaries or DVD extras when, when someone might say the same exact thing after the movie's made and you're watching it at home. But I, I don't know. I haven't, aside from, I think, one article I skimmed today and and a short video clip with Mark Hamill. I I have no idea what what Johnson's plans were for the movie. I don't know what what he had said as far as what he had had, had planned on or, or or what direction he was going in, or if if he was thinking, you know, well they're going to expect this, and I'm going to throw this at him. Um, I went in completely just because 
the, the commercials leading up to it were like, you know, they, they would show you a split second of, of Leia at the bridge and you see Kylo at, on, on his TIE fighter and whether or not he's about to blow up the ship. Um, and then they cut away. So obviously you'd have to go to the theater to see it. Uh, so I didn't, I, I had to see it because I, I pretty much stayed off social media all weekend. Cause I didn't want to risk being spoiled. And, um, I knew I, I had to see it before we recorded because I, I didn't want to, I didn't want it to be super old news by the time we, the three of us got to talk about it, but I knew I had to see it before we recorded, but I, the only other time if I didn't now would be, you know, after the weekend and that's just it's going too far along. So, um, I had no idea what, what anybody had planned or what, what, what to expect because all I knew was that it was going to be the second movie of the trilogy. Um, yeah, I didn't know the movie was going to take place over the course of like, you know, 18 hours or so it it's it it was which is again part of the stuff that i i I need to kind of i probably need to see it again but it's it's definitely part of the the processing for me but um i just i want to hear the the pros and cons from you too let me just um say that uh two things one spoilers of course uh yeah because um I guess we presume because y'all are fellow geeks that, uh, that that a lot of you, if not most of you, have seen this movie by now. But if you haven't and plan to, uh, from henceforth, we'll probably be talking about specifics. And so, uh, forewarned is forearmed. And you know, I have to give credit to Cam Motashemi, our uh, our group group or EOC um, member of the EOC family. When the people were beginning to post their reactions on the Facebook group in the nine spoiler thread. He posted something akin to, and this is speaking as him, I loved it, but I suspect a lot of people are going to hate it. And I I don't find that statement to be all that unusual for someone to make about a a fanboy movie, you know, a movie that's got a a passionate fan base. But I did find it surprising to hear about Star Wars um, because it struck me to that point that Star Wars fans, at least the OG Star Wars fans, people say our age, all loved the first three to varying degrees. I'm sure people might debate about which is their favorite, but all loved the first three and mostly all disliked the prequels. I think some of us that have kids were a little more understanding of the prequels because for our kids, that was the first Star Wars they came into. But as movies, I don't think any of us defend them too vehemently. Um, And I don't think the view was very divided about The Force Awakens. So I wasn't used to the idea of there being a divisive Star Wars film. I guess Rogue One was a little divisive, but Rogue One was its own thing. Yeah. So I think people had issue there because some people didn't like the idea of it being totally a, it's a, a war movie. movie. Yeah. And some people were okay with it. And in that case, I loved that it was different because it, it is out of the trilogy and it's a war movie instead of an action movie. And I dug that. Um, but after seeing the film... Uh, again, I got to give credit to Cam because he's the first one I heard say it this way. But but that's exactly right. I think. Um, look, Dap was joking. Uh, there's a Slack discussion with not Slack. Uh, there's a tw- Twitter discussion with some people, uh, some fellow fans, um, Vander and and Cliff and Justin, and, and we we were all frankly ranting and bitching. It was a bitch fest. We we bitched about all the and I loved the, it. The little details that that bothered us. But honestly, I don't want to get into that tonight because I, I think that the details and the, and the nitpicky shit 
is fanboy shit. Like, what I mean by that is, like, uh, every one of these films, whether it be Thor Ragnarok or Guardians of the Galaxy or Justice League or whatever, there are going to be little components of these films that are that are problematic and can be criticized. And, like, some of that's a little petty. Some of it's just personal taste. For me, I think the interesting component of this and really the crux of why I vehemently disliked the film but Vince enjoyed it and you're leaning that way as well and, and again it seems like it's kind of either or lots of people we know and respect have disliked it lots of people we know and respect have liked it is is as follows and this is where it's like it's not even really something to debate it's just what it is Ryan Johnson the writer and director of this one made a conscious decision that he was going to set ablaze much of the um much of the lore and the passion of the importance of the history of Star Wars in order to foster something new. And that is perfectly reasonable to do as a storyteller. Like, I can't fault him for making that decision. So when I say I hate it, I mean that probably 45 minutes into the film, it became very apparent to me that that's what he was doing. And that was not at all what I expected or wanted to see. So it's just a personal thing. And and again, I think almost everyone I've heard that's disliked it is in the same boat. I'm not going to tell you it's a bad movie. I'm not going to tell you it's like just it's poorly made. I'm just going to tell you that this was not the eighth of nine in the Star Wars pantheon that I wanted or expected to see. I, I respect the decision to burn everything down to the ground and build something new. But it's not what I wanted to have happen. And it really comes down to that. And if we're comfortable with that decision, in fact, I could see some people liking it even more because he did that. But for me, it was completely in the wrong direction for what I wanted to see. So what that's about the, the rest of the family? Well, I, I can't count them in this debate because no, I just no, 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 I no, just because like it, like they they don't they don't like Star Wars doesn't mean anything to them. So then like Star Wars is no different than. The, than the DC movies, the Marvel movies, or the Fast and the Furious movies. They're just fun moments out. They don't have a a fanaticism to the lore of it like we do, right? I mean, it doesn't have any... I mean, the thing about being a fan is you're a fanatic, right? You, 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 you overvalue these things. These things have more importance to your life than they probably should. And so, so for them, they don't have that... that they don't have that albatross. So, um, yeah, they all liked it. I mean, they all liked it. Co- I mean, Colin is at the age where he's a nitpicker by general. So he loves to pick apart every movie we see and stuff that doesn't make sense. Um, so he spent a lot of time after seeing the movie about all of the little things in the plot that he thought didn't make sense. But he does that with every film. But he, he would say he liked the film. So everyone else in my family liked the film. The, the floor is yours, Vince. Hmm. No, I just kind of find it curious that Ryan decided to burn down the the lore of Star Wars, but he used incidents that are predicated on older events. Like it, the 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 major scene for me was when, uh, and again, spoilers, was the uh, past history between Luke and Ben, where Luke comes to him in the middle of the night and he could. He's just about to kill him because he knows he smells the stink of the dark side on him and he he can't do it. And that mirrors the scene where Obi-Wan 
could have ended Anakin's life and didn't do it. So it's they both make fatal errors. And, and there are scenes. I, I think um, Last Jedi is very close to Empire, but in reverse. Structurally, thematically, it's Empire, but it's backwards. Like it plays front to back instead of back to front. No, back to front instead of front to back. Like the the last scene on the with all the salt, that's essentially Hoth. Right. Sure. With the AT ATs or the ADAT, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I did it again. Um But the 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 Lando Calrissian clone is the the uh, code breaker. He double crosses them. You know, you have the 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 Boba Fett thing with uh, Captain Phasma. Phasma. It's just the, the all of the like the majority of the events are have mythological precedents. Is what I'm going to say. Uh, the whole struggling with the dark side or what side of this this force are you going to fall on? That's Luke in the cave. And it was done again with with uh, Ray in the cave. It's just like there are things that have been done before, and he just shuffled the deck chairs and made them into a a compelling story. That for me, the biggest reason why I uh, I was so captivated by it was I couldn't predict it. Uh, the the unpredictability of it won me over immediately. Plans fail. People make shitty decisions. Um, the uh, the mind runs afoul in a lot of it. Yoda doesn't give a shit whether or not this, these most sacred <laughs> objects to the the Jedi Order are burnt. He doesn't care. Well, he but he no but but Yoda knew. Yoda he knew did, that Ray took like, them because he said, "Listen," because he didn't he didn't want it because. He's still teaching Luke. He didn't want to just come out and say, you're a dummy. She, she took the books. He's telling. Right, but if you Yoda look at that speak, scene, Yoda's right? telling Luke, all this doesn't matter. Right. Because, None right. of it that, matters. That's, that's what Ryan Johnson says a hundred times in the film. Right. The, the, the fact that... Uh, Luke throwing a lightsaber, Kylo saying, we have to start anew. Yeah. That. Like, no, right. That, what, it just the, doesn't matter. Right. That that's what I'm saying. That that's my point. Right. Is that and and yeah, the pre- unpredictability is is all. It's parallel with this. I it's love unpredictable. Be- yeah. Right. No. And I, that's I, that's what I'm trying to say. Like I get. Like I totally. It's it's totally valid for you or anyone else to love that it was unpredictable. Oh right. I'm not saying. But that for those... me and lots of us, I hated that it was unpredictable well, because I literally at every turn, like I was about 40 minutes into the film, and I had this like feeling of dread where I'm like, oh, I'm like, this isn't going to get any. Like this isn't going to get any better for me. Like this is going to, like he's going to do things the, in my mind the wrong way all through the movie on purpose. Right. Like okay, I know what, I can see what he's trying to do, and for me that was a like again just personal opinion. It was a terrible decision. I hated that he made that decision. But again, I'm not. He's allowed to. Clearly, it resonated with plenty of people. More people are liking the film than disliking it. Obviously, it's doing well at the box office. It's got like a A cinema score. Like I, so I'm, I'm not going to again. I'm not going to bash the film. Like I would a Batman versus Superman, which I think is just a a poorly made film. Right. But this is definitely not a prequel film where you can honestly say they're poorly made films. 
True, but I, I think I enjoyed the prequels more than this, though. Oh yeah, Okay, well, I mean, and <laughs> yeah, you you have every right to feel that way. It's all about personal opinion, and that's just because those prequels are my kids' first introduction to Star Wars, right? And so I've seen them a bunch, and I can look past the obvious filmmaking flaws. I mean, there are some hard like. I mean, listen, I'm not I'm not going to defend the prequels. On, that's not my point here. I, that's, But for me, I think the more relevant comparison is whereas Ryan made the decision here to, yes, certainly pay homage to what came before, but to keep telling us it really doesn't matter and we're going to give you something new going forward, totally fine. It's in absolute stark contrast to J.J. Abrams essentially giving us almost a remake of what exactly. came before. Exactly. And a pure, unadulterated love letter to try and recapture that glee that we got in the 70s when we first saw these films. Right. I think Last Jedi more successfully captures the wonderment and the awe and the the newness of Star Wars much better than Force Awakens did. Yeah, and see, I'm just on the hundred. I'm on the 180. Like for me, it's compl- I left. I left Force Awakens beaming, and my mind was racing with what was to come next. I walked out of this one dejected, and literally, even a week later, have absolutely no interest or clue as to what's coming in nine. Hmm. Like all of my Star Wars characters are now dead, and I'm left with a bunch that I think are either poor versions of analogs of the originals or just downright annoying to me. Wow. Like to me, Kylo's an annoying emo version of Vader. Um, I, 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 I don't know what Finn is supposed to be as an analog, but he's certainly done nothing in two movies. Um, Poe Dameron is a trictorious version of Han Solo. <laughs> uh, I just, yeah. So I don't like, like the only one I care about at all is Ray. I find her yep. extremely engaging. Yes. And luckily, she is the star. But the others, I, I'm not sure why I should care or not find them annoying. Okay. And again, that's just me. That's my personal right. read of them. I'm not suggesting you're wrong for for loving them. That's this isn't this isn't a. That's why I like this isn't a in your face. Like, no, you're ridiculous. You're wrong. No. Just See, a, I found I found I found Kylo to be a lot more of the the whiny goth dude in the first movie. I, he, I I felt he was now I and granted he he was extremely arrogant the end of of this movie uh, but at least now whereas before I was annoyed by him now I want to see what's next for him I and, just want to know why he's so bitter why we've never give, been given the explanation why did he go the direction he did if if your dad is one of the unsung heroes of the rebellion. Your mom well, leads the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Your your uncle is is probably the poster child for the opposing forces, and yet you go to the dark side. Like, why? Why did he make that decision? It's never been he spelled spoiled out. and petulant and entitled. Right. And and he wants to. You know, it's like he he knows his parents. He knows his uncle. He doesn't know much about his grandfather. So there's there if you know kids rebel from what I understand and and they they want to it's he either knows everything about what's going on at home or 
he he wants to you know maybe see what it is that 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 granddad had going on and um well was it the luke encounter that pushed him over the edge that that didn't help because because luke sensed it and and luke thought about it and and it uh, is whatever uh, coincidental or poor timing but kylo woke up ben woke up and 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 saw that and protected himself but at that point it's like you know so you send something in me, so instead of trying to take care of it, your 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 instinct is is to lash out or try to kill me. Well, then then, then I, I, I know what I'm not, not like wanted. Should have killed him. <laughs> I would have had some more Nath movies, but it's the, the the you know I'm not I'm not enamored with Poe at all. Um, I I want to like Finn, but when when he kind of plays a pretty decent part in the first movie only to be reintroduced in this movie as, as not a laughing stock, but I mean, he, he cuts out of the bed and then he's just all of a sudden he's, he's Jerry Lewis. And it's like, I don't, I, it, why are we like, can, and that, that was my, that was my biggest problem with the movie is that for the first, it's like the first time we see everybody, Everybody's cracking jokes. Luke, Luke, Luke tosses the lightsaber. Finn falls out of bed. Uh, Leia tells Poe to get his head out of his cockpit. And and then later on, Finn calls her Chrome Dome. And then Luke is dusting off his shoulder. And there are just there are certain things where it's just like, I, I enjoy, you know, I think if if my wife saw it with me, she'd probably smirk and, and chuckle at some of these scenes because she's not a fanatic. Whereas I'm like that, that these things don't really work here i mean it's not if han could probably get away with saying or doing some of these but when when some some characters who in in seven movies i'm sorry in 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 four movies for this didn't behave this way didn't act this way it 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 seems a little out of the norm and uh so trying to be cute and funny aside i'm still all for the story and the way it was going, I, I, I appreciated uh, Ray's reveal, and and I think that you know, I mean, everybody everybody left the Force Awakens thinking they knew. They, they, everybody had fan theories. Everybody everybody had an idea yeah. in their head where things were going. And it's like, okay, well, well, Ray's definitely a Skywalker. She's related to somebody. Maybe she, uh, maybe she's been sister. You know, there's something. Everybody had an idea as to what they expected in this movie and and i think a lot of people either were like fuck it i'm going in blind i'm just gonna see where it takes me and a lot of people were were kind of upset i mean going by what people were saying on twitter a lot of people are upset that what they thought was going to happen didn't happen and and that's i i don't that i don't know if it's unfortunate i don't know if it's you know i mean we we had we had our three movies and they were great and and then then George himself kind of fucked things up with the prequels the midichlorians and and making Anakin a whiny bitch and and there were just yeah. things where it's like you know okay so i think at that point when the prequels came out i was like okay they i i it never was but this isn't mine i have i i i have a, a connection with with episodes four, five, and six, mm-hmm. those are my movies. That's what I consider Star Wars because even then, 
he decided to 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 tinker with those and and he had the special editions and it's just like well this shit doesn't make any and and i it, yeah, now you're just noodling it for for the sake of doing it and and it was i think of all of all the franchises of all the of all the things of all the geeky things that that, that we can try to claim ownership to i i think um star wars kind of i'm not gonna say let us down but i i think i think Star Wars had us realize that that it didn't belong to us a long time ago, and, and I think for some people it's it, that may make it a little easier to accept what happens in the Last Jedi because it's like, listen, it, this I'm not writing the story. I, I the, these the, these characters are doing something that I I it's not that I didn't expect them to do or or I didn't plan on them to do or I didn't think they were going to do, but uh, times change and and whatever the hell I have in my head based on the characters I've, I've known for, for 25, 30, 40 years, um, shit happens. And, and we haven't seen every single day of their lives. So we don't know what caused, what caused Luke to finally just say, fuck it. I don't, this ain't my fight and, and I'm out. And whereas, you know, the Luke we knew at the end of episode, episode six was like, you know, I tried saving dad and, and, and I'm with you and, I'm going to help train your kids if you guys have any. And that was the rest of that. The rest of their stories, they were all playing out in our heads. And then we were, we're actually shown what had happened. And it's like, okay, well now I have to rewrite some things. And then we get this movie and it's like, well, now I don't know what the hell they're doing. And, right. and it was, it was the emperor that pushed Vader over the edge and made him realize that these people were despicable scumbags and he was just an insignificant cog in somebody yeah, was, else's plan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that happened in this movie with with Snope. He he treated Kylo like a dog. You know, oh, you finally made me happy. You know, it's all about me. And Kylo's like, wait a minute, it's not about you. This is about and and so it, 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 again, the this the scenes in this new thing are all predicated by something that came before. Mm -hmm. So it, within the mythology, I think it works really well. I thought it was an entertaining movie. Yes. And uh, I may be in the minority. I, I really loved the casino sequence. Oh, I thought it was great. I, 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 I yeah, no, I, there were parts of that where I struggled too. And, 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 and again, though it was, it, they, when I was watching the, as the casino scene was playing out, I just, all I thought was that, okay, Johnson wants us to get, he, he needs to get the characters from here to there. He needs to move the story along. They got to get the, and, and, and so they're on this, they're on the side quest, but it's like, as long as they end up here, I don't care what kind of ridiculousness happens before they get to there. And like it, 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 it reminded me of the old Marvel comics. I thought that was the, the again, I, my issues with the movie aren't really structural, but, but I thought if there was a actual quality of filmmaking complaint, it was the, both the lack of necessity and the execution on the whole casino thing. Like, I didn't think it made sense plot wise. I, it really felt to me like Ryan, you know, I mean, you know, the story, right? Like Ryan Johnson basically tore up, like literally tore up Lawrence Kasdan's script and rewrote it. And I feel like he, after he rewrote it, he, just didn't have much for Finn to do and he needed to somehow transition Finn to the third and presumably 
final film where he will have a big role and said, all right, let's send him on a mission. But I, I don't see what the mission did. They didn't even find the right, I mean, they didn't even bring him back to the right code breaker. <laughs> and then they didn't even yeah. need him to do what they needed to do. So like it just, it literally served no purpose Again, to the plot it didn't other matter. than it didn't matter. Yeah. Right. So I feel like it's just Ryan saying like, ultimately most of this stuff just doesn't matter y'all, which again is fine. And, and Dap, everything you said, I agree with what you said. Only the only difference is that I agree with what you said. I just, my reaction to it was the complete opposite. Right. You know, like that, like I, I think you're spot on in your analysis of it. But for me, like for me, the force awakens is what poisons that well of, of, of stream of thinking. Cause I do think, yes, I came away from this film thinking, yeah, this is basically reminding me that like, I don't own star Wars and that's fine. I don't no kidding. And yes, maybe the prequels made everybody feel that way too. However, for a lot of us, the force awakens <laughs> that gave us hope again, gave us hope again. Right. Yeah. It was a new hope. And it right. really did make us think like, Oh shit. Like this is right. Like JJ's writing the wrongs of the prequels. Like he's giving us the sequel. We thought we were getting with the prequels. Like, Holy shit. Like we're back baby. And then this was like Ryan saying like, no, 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 no. Like, nah, dude, like star Wars is in, it's, it's for everyone. It's for a new generation. It's for different people. Like y'all had your moment. You can come along for this ride too, if you want. But it's not going to be the same ride. And again, that's a perfectly reasonable artistic decision to make. But it sure as fuck wasn't the decision I wanted them to make. (laughs) So, you know, um, I mean, look, I'll see nine. I'll be right in the theater. Now, it's worth noting that nine is also being done by JJ. So chances are those of us that really enjoyed seven are going to find a lot to like in nine. Um, And then Ryan is doing a, a new trilogy. Um, a complete set in a completely different time period, um, and frankly, I'll probably enjoy that because that, yeah, it'll be its own thing. I, right. I won't, I won't feel ownership of the of those story arcs. I, I don't have any emotional ties to new characters. I, I had an emotional tie to the to the Skywalkers. Yes, like I, I was I invested in their that. in their arc. Right. Um, so this could very much be a blip. Like two years from now, what is it? Two, yeah, two years from now, we, we could be sitting back regaling episode nine and i'm saying wow that's the fucking best movie ever like I, i'm not i'm not like i'm not saying i'm dead inside and don't want to ever look at star wars again i'm just saying that like for me man why do you hate life it, it left me yeah. hollow it was it left me hollow now was 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 jj always planning on no no um or? i forget the name of the director but but something happened with him and uh they they parted ways and so jj jumped back on okay so there you go all right, let's bring it home. Oh, you don't have nothing to open? Presents, dude. Oh, jeebus. Let Dak go first because he's he's got a gift exchange. I have, I have, yeah, the gift exchange, and so I will see now. The back of Hans, the, the back of our friend Rick. Wait, let me just grab Hanson's. Hold on. I already opened it before the show, but it says do not open until Christmas. But this is our Christmas episode, so I'm opening it now. And I forgot to text him to ask him if that was cool. So hopefully this isn't something that is going to. Is Jason back yet? No. Yeah, I'm back. I'm super sweet. Sweet. Who is your gift exchange from? Uh, The gift exchange, which I will open after Vince opens his handsome, is from. New patron, Mr. Dan Bryan. 
This is, um, let's see. Oh, Nobody's going to be able to hear you. Yes, all we hear is crinkling papers, dude. Okay. Oh, sweet. Okay, so from Rick, I have JLA 7 Caskets from Dan Brereton. And a Nocturnal Alphabet by Daniel Brereton. Wow, and this is like a nice cloth hardcover book. Um, number 404 of 800. This is hella cool. I am so stoked to read Seven Caskets. Thank you so much, Rick. Nice. Nocturnal Alphabet. Who Very published cool. that? This may be Olympian Publishing. Hmm. Why have I never heard of that? It is not a thick book, but it is... It is. Um, it was printed in China, China of course. in 2007. He is the evil thing under your bed. F is for fiends with mouths dripping red. Oh, that's a beautiful painting. So what is it? Just like uh, it's an alphabet with so it's 26 illustration uh, paintings. Uh, there's two two letters represented on one page, and the facing page is the painting. Oh, and it is a double page spread for uh, M and N. But yeah, it's 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 the alphabet and about the author and yeah. So, but I never read uh, Seven Caskets. It's good. Nor have I. Yeah, it's I like bound. it. It's good. It's no, it's like an OGN square bound. Nice. Who's next? All right, I have pre-slit my package from Rick Hansen. I don't know what it is, but it's thick. Yeah, it is. Wow. Synchronicity. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Who was the one artist that was on my list twice? Oh, would it be Plug? It would be Plug. And this is the art of Plug. Massive. Massive hardcover. Oh, wait. There's something in it. There's Prince. And the Revolution? A werewolf? <laughs> like a um the Death Dealer kinda. There's another werewolf. Oh, Jeebus. There's three, four, five prints. This is an awesome oh, nice. book. It's full color. Oh, it's the man thing. A lot of his war- Marvel work is represented in here too. Mm-hmm. This is great. Rick, Rick is a Thank sweetheart. You. He is a sweetheart. I don't... He's a sweetheart. It's gonna. I'm, I may read this for next week. All, All right. right. <laughs> Thank All you, right. Um, okay, crap. I got my Rick here. I got um, Machine Man number one. I got uh, the Man Thing number one. What? <laughs> Which one? Um, the. Um, Goosebumps? Uh, uh, the 79 version. Oh, okay. Okay. Still. Mm, yeah, still dope. That's Claremont, uh, right? I think, it yeah, doesn't, I think have it, doesn't have it on the cover. Of course not. It was 79. Not back then. Yeah. Uh, Marvel Spotlight on Captain Marvel, number one. Amazing Spider-Man, number 328. That famous, awesome issue where McFarlane Spidey is punching Grey Hulk... Uh, in the stomach and uh, breaking the 
Amazing Spider-Man logo in the process. Um, and then two complete miniseries. The Hulk Gray, number one through six, by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. And the Nick Fury versus S.H.I.E.L.D. prestige hardcover, uh, not hardcovers, but limited series, books one through six, by Harris, Neary, and DeMolder. Yes. That's a great series. Oh, yeah, it it is. It is. Thank you so much, my friend. And um, before Dap unveils his his gift exchange book, um, uh, I want to send a thanks to... uh, patron and listener Vishal Rajani, who, uh, after hearing me talk about Carthago a few weeks back and mentioning that I got it on the digital sale but couldn't find the Humanoids hardcover anywhere, he was um, gracious enough to get uh, an LCS to send me a brand new copy. So that was very nice and um, much love for that. And then Last but certainly not least, I want to send a, uh, a quick thank you to uh, all our EOC peoples who um, were uh, so loving and uh, wishing me the happy happy birthdays this week. So yeah. much love to y'all. It's always nice to uh, to get the happy birthdays. Nice. Can you um, can you do the shout out for uh, our new patron for this week? Uh, most certainly, this? most certainly, we have a shout out to Mister. Uh, Davin Pasek. Davin Pasek is our, our newest shout-out level patron. Welcome. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Michael And, and you know what? Since we're doing shout-outs, shout-out to Flip a Dippa. Big time. Flip was already at, at the that same level of patronage, and he doubled it up um, this this month because he's amazeballs. So yeah. thank you for that, Flip. Jay Mateo is so cute. Oh, Styrofoam. By the way, is that Tomio's like alter ego? Is this actually a Jay Mateo? Is that really Jay Tomio? And the, under the <laughs> uh, oh wow, there are. Right, there. Jesus, you button? Why don't you? He did. He did. You button it. <laughs> Who knew it was that easy? That's going to have to come out. People's ears are going to get destroyed by that. Wow, what is it, a suitcase? <laughs> Maybe he just hung up in a huff because I dared. No, he didn't. Hmm. It's good packing there. For reals. So uh, before we do your In Your Travels, remember that this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by who, Jason? Discount Comic Book Service. Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com, where you can get the beef from Image for $1.99, the first issue of the five-issue miniseries. Uh, Coming to me, number one from Black Mask, is $2.19. And we won't let you forget, the Jimmy's Bastards trade paperback, volume one from Aftershock, is a paltry $8.24. Unheard of. Can't hear it, just like we can't hear Dad. He's here. Oh, you can hear me now, though. All right. Uh, so, good Lord. Um, there were a few things in here. There is some... Uh, this is going to be interesting. There is uh, some California olive oil, orange... 100% extra virgin. I I have some 
oils that 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 um well then you probably go to Vince's house and and he's got the oils all on the table for you if you're dipping bread in so that should be interesting to try um deep dark fears which Jason talked about a while ago um Batman Ego the Deluxe Edition by Darwin Cook Uh, Severance Package number four by uh, Greg Rekka and Eduardo Riso and the complete library of uh, Bloom County volume four 1986 to 1987 along with uh, the fifth season of Justified which I believe completes my set nice thank you so much Dan sweet it's time for the In Your Travels. What we got? Oh, I have something. Um, and Brother Jay Tomio can co-sign on this because he's the only one of our friends, I believe, that's reading this along with myself. It is the second volume of uh, Kengo Hanazawa's I Am a Hero. Neither of you guys are reading this? No, unfortunately not. It is pretty. It is very close to the most unsettling, disturbing thing I've read in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, shit has hit the fan in Japan. It's a uh, well. I talked about the first volume. It it's not a zombie outbreak, but it's an outbreak of something, and uh, people get kill crazy. And right. uh, they're not zombies, like I said. They're mm-hmm. just murdering. It's more Japanese. Like crossed, right? N- not even that. It's no. more Japanese body horror where the physical form is changed. Organs stop working and past um, memories take the forefront. Like the, the, the infected keep repeating something over and over and over. And it's different for each person. Um, but they... They do get kill crazy, and it begins uh, on in public transport. There's a, a passenger train, and something happens, which forces our uh, quote hero Hideo to vacate the public transport, and he gets into a cab. And this sequence is so unsettling, where there's a a man in the back seat with him with a woman and they're not married he's cheating on his wife with her um and the woman is you could tell there's something going on with her and the guy's just trying to placate the woman the cab driver's going on his own you know merry way just trying to serve the his customers but the guy slowly turns and if if you know cabs in Japan you know that the passengers in the back can't open the doors they have to be opened by the driver up front so Hideo can't get out the guy is turning and the the girlfriend and the the guy start to embrace and they start to eat each other's face Mm -hmm. while the cab's in motion the cab driver can't stop and so Hideo's freaking out he has no way to get out of this cab and the the cab driver suddenly starts to talk about his granddaughter who wasn't feeling all that well and just happened to bite him. 
and the cab driver starts to turn. It, it is the sequence is unbelievable. It's so disturbing. You're reading it and you're just like, what the hell? If I was in this situation, what would I do? How would I get out? And it's it's it'll shock you. The whole book will shock you because it, and then it goes in a totally different direction after that. Um, it's probably one of my more uh, enjoyable things that I'm reading right now. And they're massive. Nice. From um, from Dark Horse, it contains two volumes, uh, two of the original volumes in one. So you get a, a shit ton of pages for um, 19.99. But if you like to be shocked and pushed over that line, then uh, I Am a Hero is the thing to read. The, the title character, the hero, Hideo, is is not he's in fact he's not right in his in his own mind he's he's unhinged and uh, mm -hmm. deeply deeply disturbed but none of this is going to make any sense unless you actually read it because uh, this is one of those books where you have to experience it it's a slow boil um it's manga so the uh the chapters are very long very intense uh but i think it's um once they get into the forest, I've seen things that I've never seen, and that says something. It's it scares me. This book scares me. It's great. That is saying something. Yeah, I'm a hero. Nice. Yeah. Uh, in your travels, I'm going to keep it short um, because this just came out today, and we sing the man's praises plenty. On this show, um, this is more of the same, but the way it's presented um, just blew me away. I think number 36. Cosine, son. Same, I'm piggybacking <laughs> off you. Same exact. <laughs> my um, Jason and I are talking about Batman. Number 37 came out today. It is the second part of uh, Super Friends, issue 36 from two weeks ago. Uh was probably one of my all-time favorite single issues the way the conversations were happening it, it was just it was beautifully done um and and clay man seth man jordy did a fantastic job bringing the story to life uh but 37 takes place at the fair and it's superhero night and so the kents and the future waynes stroll up uh only to be turned away because since it is superhero night and they're not dressed, um, they decide to. It, it was a straight out of a <laughs> Silver Age World's Finest comic, Vince. They basically swap outfits. <laughs> and and what's great is that even though nobody knows Clark Kent is under Batman's cowl because he's supposed to be Clark Kent, he's still wearing his glasses over Batman's mask. Mm -hmm. Um and Superman's walking around with stuff. They're in the bathroom pieces. stall changing. Oh, it's and, great. And Batman's putting on the, the and, and you hear Clark say, the the uh, the S stands for, what is what is that? For hope. Yeah, for hope. And then fucking <laughs> Bruce is like, the, 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 the bat stands for bat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. But every time, every time somebody asks Bruce, his answer is always no throughout the entire age. Well, we can change outfits. No. Well, we should go get something. No. It's like every, he's just, he shoots everything down, but the women are getting to know each other. Um, Lois is going to put on uh, the cat suit. 
and Selena lets her know that it stretches, and Lois says, mm-hmm. well, it better. Um, but, of course, since Lois is just dressed in a dress, he's not doesn't have a superhero outfit to, to, to wear. Um, Selena kind of has to wing it and, and uh, kind of intimidates slash turns on the kid um, letting people into the fair. But it is uh, the, the, I think in all honesty, the, the layout, the presentation of the story, I think I prefer in 36, just the way it, the, the, the conversations between all the parties played off each other. But um, the scenes in, in this issue in 37 were, uh, they, they still work in telling the story. It's just, because of the setting and because of, of the way the conversations are taking place, I it, it wasn't as as clean or neat uh, to my eye. But still, you get everything you need, and and you know everything you need to know. And and um, the women are are basically, you know, I don't know if if Tom may have asked his wife, you know, what did you and your girlfriend say in and in, in certain conversations, but it, it's they. The women are just Lois isn't she, she kind of wants to know what Selena sees in Bruce and, and how they can maybe make a life together. And, and Selena, of course, kind of being the opposite of that, isn't quite sure what makes two people like Lois and Clark, who are basically the same person, uh, work so well together. And, and, and there, there are a lot of similarities these two couples have is even though they they may look and appear and live um quite the opposite way but it is it, it's uh, tom is he could, every, we say it a lot but I, he continues to not just kill it but but crush it beyond recognition each each issue that comes out I, it's i've just i don't know where where he can go next with it just because I'm constantly blown away by, by what he gives us with each issue. And, and, and of course, you know, our heroes get to spring into action somewhat, uh, but overall it's, it's a fantastic issue. And, and I, I just, y'all need to read it. It, it is what I'm saying, but I got to know what Jason needs to say. No, I mean, cosine, I just, it's exactly, I, I was going to shout out 36 and 37 cause I hadn't read 36 when you talked about it, but, um, but as a two-parter, man, as a, the Super Friends mini arc, if you will, uh, it's just it's magical. It's perfect comics. I, I mean, thirty-seven itself structurally is a romance comic, and um, it's it's just. Uh, I mean, I've read far fewer Superman and Batman comics than y'all have, but I've read a decent amount, and I've never seen anything like this before. Um, and and it just felt so real. It felt like they were. I mean, whereas Bruce and Catwoman in this whole romance angle. Um, you know, are a story. I, this felt like both of these couples just were that were honest to goodness couples. I mean, and just and and the juxtaposition that we saw in thirty six, we we continued in the thirty seven in different ways. Like they're going through the 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 haunted house in the little buggies, and like you see you see Lois and Clark coming out of it, and they're like, "Oh, that was great," and they're like, you know, wholesome. And then you see bat and cat coming out and she's straddling him and making out with him. Like, yep. you know, it's just like, like stuff like that. And just the, 
the the little fun stuff like like you said Bruce being the naysayer the whole time and then like uh like them all eating corn dogs and like the women are like just eat the damn dogs you know like because Bruce is like do you know how much how many trees I'm gonna have to kick to work this off and then like Lois is like why do you kick trees like it's just just great like little human moments or or the the boys going into the batting cage and then and then having a dick measuring contest over over uh whether or not Bruce could could ever hit a fastball off of Superman, and then it just becomes a thing between the two of them the whole the whole rest of the night. Like they just they can't let it go. Like and like they just keep mumbling to themselves about how you know how could he possibly how could he possibly get a hit off me? I could throw it faster than you know. It's like it's like I in fact I throw so fast the ball would disintegrate. I have to throw it just fast enough that the ball doesn't disintegrate. How could he possibly hit that? Like just it just was awesome. You know, I just I thought the whole thing was just so wonderful and so unexpected and. You know, if you if you look at these two issues and like the 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 the, uh, the swamp thing issue and um, you know the Elmer Fudd annual, it's just I mean, it almost feels like Tom has been told he's like Spawn and he's got just a certain number of comics he gets to write <laughs> and he's just taking off all of his his his, his genres all in Batman. He's like, I'm just going to kill every genre I can until they tell me I can't do this book anymore and. Um, Listen, I, 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 I would imagine to some subset of our of our listenership, it sounds like we're just blowing smoke up our boy's ass. But if you've listened to us long enough, you know, first of all, we have the very good fortune of having a bunch of people in this business as good friends, um, many of which do great work. But, you know, it's not as though, um, believe me, I, I, I would be fine with not not mentioning Tom as a writer for the next year if, if he goes on and does something that isn't quite floating my boat. It's just frankly, look – you got to call you got to call it what it is and this is his year. I mean, he is you know, you talk everybody gets like, you know, opportunities in life and he got his opportunity and he's freaking crushing it. He's absolutely crushing it by, you know, it it in a quiet moment when we knew Tom was getting the Batman book but it wasn't public yet. Um and I'm sure I'm not speaking the three of us aren't alone in being Tom's friends who thought this. You know, there was a bit of trepidation in my mind in the sense that like it's awesome. He's getting a shot on the book, but he's also replacing Schneider and Capula, you know, and like, you don't want to be Andesenti, you know what I mean? Like you don't, <laughs> you don't want to be the person that follows the legend. And I mean, this is probably gonna be blasphemous to some of you out there, but on the really real, I've liked Tom's 37 issues on a consistent basis and been more surprised by them than I ever was by Scott's run. So make of that what you will. Well, but personally, it, I, I've enjoyed this more. It's the truth. It's better. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, it looks like, uh, not to keep harping on it, there will be, this is part one of my gift exchange. It looks like according to this letter that was included, um, I'm also expecting some wine, so that should be fun for next week. Oh, nice. There you go. Awesome. All right, we're out well, of here. Ma- happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas to everybody. Yes. You won't hear from us again until after Christmas. Uh, I do, yes. for the patrons, I do have three more uh, three more videos of my 12 visits of Christmas that you'll be getting in the next few days. And we but, sh- uh, should be probably planning on a video with the patrons, uh, maybe Tuesday next week. Well, we, we got, we, we still, we have the book of the month. Oh, we, um, next Thursday, 
which is Metabarons Volume One, and we have um, we we should have our fifth episode and uh, possibly video chat coming your way as well. Um, it is the holidays. It is the end of December. I don't know how many people are around, so I don't know. Uh, we might just wing it and and do what we did the past two times and and see who can get on with us um and then work on retooling everything in january when we also have some um so so some news and maybe some tears and rewards rejiggering um yes and 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 some news for our canadian friends which we'll get into but um we'll discuss all that at a later date and i just i'm looking over my list did any who had i didn't have any who had anything from image on their list what do you mean oh oh you mean in terms of um of the publisher no i i, I did not i did not uh Nothing I, from you, you when you yeah when you mentioned spawn I, I it just dawned on me that of of all twenty seven books we mentioned well, that well actually that's not true the, the fury, well, fury agent are, are still, reprinted by image yeah I mean I still think they're dark horse but yeah no same but I mean the, but but the the volumes I specifically mentioned were image books because because dark horse didn't put the omnibus out image did. right oh they, but they were originally published but I mean no I yeah. I, 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 I I the semantics and all that but it was just weird that. A, a publisher we talk about pretty much. Yeah, weekly. I'm surprised there were no Spawn and or Savage Dragon on Vince's list. I'm not surprised that there was no Spawn. I could be surprised that there was no Savage Dragon, but again, even the Savage Dragon archives, it's like the, those issues, right? Yeah. And and it's not like you get a complete story because he ends an issue, he, he ends a volume right in the yeah. middle of, of a story. So there's no, yeah. All right, everybody. Like Jason said, go have a good holiday. Be safe. Be happy. Uh, be merry. Be wise. Yeah, all that stuff. Thanks for um, everything this year. Y'all rock. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and don't forget, eleven o'clockers will be coming up in January. We'll bump the uh, the the Google voting sheet up again. We've done it a couple times, but it's uh, it's time to start figuring out who you're going to pick, y'all, because it's uh, eleven days until the end of the year, and probably let's say probably three weeks until we do the show, maybe three, four weeks, depending on when we do it in January. But, but the time is a time is a, a, upon you. True. Indeed. Come back next time. We don't want any saltiness. In the meantime, say good night. David. Good night. David. Ooh, that was perfect. It was pretty close. Yeah. Damn, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. We should make this the last episode of the year because he just yeah. went out with a bang. We out. All right. Get going. He was Bruce hit he was Bruce hitting the fastball of Superman just now. Oh. It's Batman's book. Of course he had to hit it. It's true. Spoilers. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Say bye. Good. Oh.